What's up, gamers? Uh, welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode something. Uh, I forgot to look that up. I don't know, thirty something. It's a new year. Uh, we'll call this the start of season four because why not? Uh, for anyone that's not familiar, Battle Mallet Podcast is a podcast uh, following the lives of anywhere from two to four busy gamers uh, playing games that they love and balancing life with those games. Uh, tonight's episode is uh, Rivals Overview Part 1 of Question Mark. Uh, I am joined tonight by Jason Table New Murray. Good evening, morning, afternoon, good night. I don't know what time you're listening to this, but it's evening for us, so good evening. Uh, and I am Jared Johnson, uh, and we're we're going to kind of break from the normal format of the show. Uh, our plan tonight, after playing uh, in a Rivals League for the past couple of months uh, and getting some good games in, is to really build out uh, what we want to be a living document that, that exists you know, in, in perpetuity uh, as the game grows as warbands uh, fall in and fall out, as new warbands are introduced, where uh, new players or veteran players who want to introduce new players to the game of Warhammer Underworlds can go uh, to learn about uh, the warbands that exist that have uh, legal rivals decks. And so we're going to start uh, with tonight, today, whatever's episode. Uh, we're going to get through as many of the Beastgrave era warbands as we can. Uh, and, and so we're going to walk through each warband. We'll talk about uh, the fighters, uh, you know, what the fighter cards look like. We're going to call out some top cards amongst the objectives, the gambits, and the upgrades. We're going to uh, give a brief overview of the playstyle for the warbands. Uh, we'll talk about maybe the kind of board that you should be looking at, that you should be, you know, introducing your friends to uh, when they play. And then we'll wrap each segment up uh, by talking about what to do if you're sitting across the table from those. Uh, did I, is that everything, Jason? Did, I, did we cover it all? Everything that we're going to cover? Yeah, I think you covered everything that we're going to cover, and it's episode 32. 32, episode 32. Nice, thanks. Um, so uh, so the way we're going to cover this is we're going to do it in segments, and I'll put timestamps in the show notes so people can jump around as needed. Uh, we'll try to do two war bands at a time by release. Uh, and so what we'll do is we're going to take a quick break so that Jason and I can collect our thoughts and not ramble for hours and hours and hours. Uh, and when we come back, we will talk about Iron Souls Condemners and Lady Harrow's Mournflight. And we're back, and we are here to talk about uh, Iron Souls Condemners and Lady Harrow's Mournflight in the Rivals format. Uh, I didn't go over this in the intro. My bad. Uh, anyone that's not familiar, Rivals format is just using the Warband-specific cards uh, that come with a warband, and that's only available using warband-specific cards for warbands that were released starting with Beastgrave uh, and then up to present day. And so these are warbands that have 12 warband-specific objective cards, 10 warband-specific gambits, and 10 warband-specific upgrades. Uh, so with that, we're going to jump into uh, the Iron Souls Condemners. Uh, Iron Souls Condemners uh, can be found in the uh heroes of the beast grave box? no no it wasn't the hero it was before that heroes of shades or heroes of nightfall no oh no nope dreadfane dreadfane, the dreadfane box go. which is actually i believe available in uh at barnes and noble 
is where it was originally available. I don't know if you can buy it in a Games Workshop store. Anyway, we'll leave that mystery to be solved by the so listeners. You can buy you can buy the Warbands in a Games Workshop store, or used to be able to, okay. but Dreadfiend was never available. Okay, there we go. That, there it is. Um, so, Iron Souls Condemners, they are Stormcast Eternals. They are Sequiturs, I believe? Sure, yes. I don't know. They, they are. They are Sequiturs. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and uh, so it's a three-fighter warband. Uh, your standard uh, stat block for Stormcast Eternals, they move three. They're on one block. They have four health. Um, but excitingly, they are probably the most accurate warband across all fighters in the game so jason you want to jump into that yeah so like their stat block is really like they are really good starting fighters by themselves right so you have the leader gwen iron soul which is three hammers two damage you have tavian which has uh three hammer two damage attack and he also has a shield slam which is two hammers for one damage but it has knockback which is pretty important to the warband given that they have two uh surge cards that have a condition with that need to have not back in them and then you have the man the myth the legend the brodus the brodus isle uh blightbane who is hitting on two hammers which is a very accurate starting attack but for three damage and um you know because this is the first warband that we're reviewing i will say that three damage starting out the gate on a fighter card in rivals is kind of money. Yeah, it's a big deal. And as we kind of dig into this, we'll we'll see why there are a lot of war bands that have a lot of fighters that have three or fewer wounds. And so if you have a starting attack that can knock out the majority of the fighters in any given war band uh, in one blow, that I mean that gets the glory train started, uh, which then gets your upgrades on, which means you're either more accurate or you're doing more damage or you can move further or whatever it is that your upgrades allow. Yeah. And and the key to this this war band to make them work in rivals is to roll dice because you yep. want to get inspired. Because once they become inspired, they're you know, a typical stormcast, but three I'm sorry, two two block defense is nothing to shake a stick at especially when there's not a lot of you know altering in the rivals format like there's cleave is only available if it comes with your warband um you know not a whole lot of plus dices in certain warbands so those right. two shields can really can tank some hits um and it, it's needed and then once they are inspired by rolling a crit on their attack or defense dice Iron Soul herself goes to three damage, also gains knockback. Brodus gets a cleave scything attack for two hammers and two damage. And, um, you know, then Tavian just gets a, an additional damage on his second shield bash attack. But, um, oh, and Bro- Brodus also goes to uh, four move, which could be, could be uh, pretty impactful. Yeah, could be big. Move. Yeah, so if you had to classify their play style, Jason, what would you say? You know, I think that given the fact that they only have four surge objectives and most of their objectives are pretty bad, (laughs) (laughs) um, you have to be aggro. So you have to go in and you have to win the fight. Um, There is no other way 
to play this in Rivals than to get into the mix and start stacking glory through kills. Yeah, I agree. Um, so some tips that we kind of think uh, as you're playing them in this aggro fashion, uh, you want to keep them together so they have some objectives around being close to each other. Um, they have some ploys or gambits that that only key if you're adjacent to each other. Uh, you want to try to hold one objective in enemy territory. Um, they have an objective that keys off of that. Uh, gang up. So th- that goes in, in line with keeping them together. So, you know, just focus your attacks, take down fighters. Uh, you've got good, accurate attacks that do two damage each. So Gwen could hit and then Tavian could hit and you could knock out a four wound fighter uh, with two activations. Uh, and then, you know, last but not least, stay alive. Uh, you only have three fighters. Um, you're going to find your ability to score your objectives and gain glory uh, diminishes pretty quickly as you start to lose those fighters. Yeah, and if you're keeping them together, you're going to maximize your attacks, right? Yeah. Like, you're going to get a free attack if someone's next to you, or, you know, maybe there's a push card in there, one or two. So, yeah, um, yeah so rolling right, <clears throat> I think that's a great way to play them, rolling right into the cards. Um, you know, I did mention they only have four surges, which is hurtful in the Rivals format. So, really, my advice would be to to ditch, like if you don't have forceful banishments or maybe your turn, maybe your turn if if there is a, a fighter um, that is close enough to start to kind of hit them and push them back into one of your players uh, or one of your fighters, um, you're going to want to try to get one of those surge objectives that you can score in the first turn right in your hand. So be very... Um, quick to to ditch and redraw sorry yeah. lost my train of thought there first no that's okay and <laughs> so real quick forceful banishment is a surge score this immediately when an enemy fighter is driven back by a friendly fighter's attack action that has the knockback ability so the key here is that uh it has the driven back uh keyword on the on the score condition so you don't actually have to do the knockback which means that the attack does not have to be successful so as long as there is a tie and you can drive the enemy fighter back, you will score forceful banishment. So that's probably the better of the two between forceful banishment and your turn, which says score this immediately when an enemy fighter is driven back into a hex adjacent to a friendly fighter. So that just means you're knocking an enemy fighter basically into uh, another friendly fighter, setting up those free attacks uh, and also hopefully scoring your surge objectives. Yeah, really good if that enemy fighter is already charged, right? Yeah. But when you're setting it up just off of deployment, very difficult to do because you only have three move. Um, you know, the other the, the other big martial prowess early game, like third successful attack action, kind of kind of could be difficult because they has to be successful. But it is too glory. And I guess the point like just really want to drive home is set these surges up. Don't be afraid to ditch. Get one of them in your hand to start the game off. Um, but remember, you're not going to score all your objectives with this war band, So No, you are not. <clears throat> what about other cards? So, Gambits. Jared. Yeah, so um, I, I was going to say that they have an in-faction distraction, but distraction does not exist in the current season. Yeah, what's a distraction? Uh, yeah, what is a distraction? This whole podcast is a distraction. <laughs> um, no, so the card is called Fulminating Blast, and so we will refer to these as Push an Enemy Fighter card. Um, and th- these are a big deal uh, because obviously you don't get to add 
universal cards to your deck in the rivals format. So anybody that has the ability to manipulate their opponent's positioning uh, through gambits is, is going to kind of have a, a leg up. So they have uh, Fulminating Blast, um, which is that in-faction push an enemy fighter card, uh, which is a big deal. Another one that I think is really cool is Improvised Blow. And I don't know if it is the only, but it may be one of the only uh, Gambit Attack cards. So this says, choose a friendly fighter adjacent to an enemy fighter. The chosen fighter makes the following attack action. And it's a three swords for one damage card, uh, which, you know, is not that big a deal, but uh, it's three dice. Uh, This Warband inspires by rolling crits. So it's another chance to roll a crit uh, and and also do a damage to a fighter, uh, maybe get them in a position uh, during the power step to be knocked down by, uh, you know, another attack. Uh, going into your activation. And then, Jason, I think we called out, what, Outflank? Yeah, Outflank as well. Um, You know, this one is another push card. It's a choose a friendly fighter adjacent to another fighter and push them up to two hexes. The key here is when you're deploying, you can use it off the trigger of standing next to one of your friendly fighters, push your person two hexes, and then kind of overcome the three move. Or you can also kind of use it to to set up further attacks, you know, in the future, if you are next to an enemy and you need to get further in um, to the enemy um, deployment area or zone, you can push away and get a free attack without charging. Really, the two push cards help you maximize without having to charge so you can get more attacks to try to achieve that goal of inspiring and giving yourself a, a fighting chance. Yep, I like it. All right, so moving on to upgrades. Uh so you may have noticed that we have not talked about many of the other objective cards or gambits. Uh, we also are not going to talk about many of the other upgrades because the honest reality is that the Iron Souls Condemners deck is not very good. The cards are not good, the fighters are, uh, and they can be fun. But So we really only have a handful of upgrades to talk about. Etherically Charged Weapon being one of those, it's a reroll on attack actions. It can go on any fighter. Uh, and that's basically it for the uh, universal upgrades. Uh, there's a plus one wound and a plus one move, but uh, at four wounds and and stuff, and the inability to rapidly get glory, upgrades are going to be not as readily available. But we do want to talk about the fighter-specific upgrades, uh, whether they're good or bad. I think one of my favorite upgrades in the game is Punishing Blow, which is specific for Brodus Blightbane, a.k.a. the Brodus Isle. Uh, it is a uh, range one, three, smash, four damage attack with cleave. Um, so if you find yourself in the mirror and you can manage to get this upgrade on, you could take down uh, you know, any of the uh, other uh, Stormcasts with some uh, pretty decent reliability. Uh, and then, Jason, you want to cover the, the last two there? <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, just to, to talk, like, do you remember that punching blow is like a one use only? So once you attack with it, you have to discard the card. Um, yeah, that's true. But, it, but it is four damage, and in Rivals, four damage is very, very rare. So definitely a powerful card. And then just, you know, the other thing with Rivals that I think a lot of us veteran players have to get used to is there are going to be upgrades that are fighter-specific. Like, we don't often put those cards into our decks in Championship. So it is really cool to see these where they can only go on a fighter or two. 
Um, the other two is the etherically charged shield. You can reroll one dice in each defense roll made by this fighter, and that one can go on uh, Tavian or Iron Soul herself. Pretty powerful card um, because once they're inspired, that reroll could help. And then Soul Heart and Shield is when this fighter is activated before making an action with them, give them a guard token. Um, again, if you're in a position where you are just attacking, you know this is kind of you know a, a free action. So get, getting a guard token, always a good thing, especially if you're standing in gloom. Yeah, that's right. Yep, because then you get those double supports as successes as well. All right, Jason, let's say you are playing in a rivals format and you sit down across the table from the Iron Souls Condemners. Top tips? Well, the top tips are I've played them as a rivals thing, and I didn't know they had four surges until till this episode. So I didn't even know that when I was putting the deck together. Uh, but that would be the top tip is they only have four surges. And even then, I would say there's probably only two of those surges that can be scored. So slow down, right? If you have a couple passive glory cards in your rival's deck that you can score, you're going to get ahead of them. And then don't allow them to roll dice. Like if they're going, if you're going to go in and attack them, make sure it's calculated because the more dice they roll, the more likely they are to inspire, which that's their whole their whole game. If they get inspired and they can start dealing three damage, um, become very defensive, you play right in right into what they want to do. So play the passive game, hold back, um, and really pick your opportunities so they don't roll as many dice as they want to. Wait, sounds good. So you, uh, go ahead. Oh, so if you like, if you were a new player, right? And yep. let's kind of like rate the warband. Sure. Brand new player. I really like Stormcast. How what would you give this? A gold, silver, or bronze for a new player? Can I can I give less than bronze? <laughs> no, it's bronze. I, I I mean it's a, it's a solid bronze. The the fighters are good and they're fun and they're aggro and everybody loves to roll crits. Uh, that's probably been our favorite thing in the Rivals League that we've been running. It's just like going nuts anytime somebody rolls a crit or a double crit just because it's exciting. Um, you know, it hits that dopamine hit. Um, but the the cards are not good. Uh, their objective deck is not good. Their power deck is not good. Um, just it's tough to get the train rolling. Yeah. So I they, mean, they're bronze. They, they are. They are bronze. And for any new player looking to pick them up, the, the thing that I would say is they're not going to teach you the whole game. Like, you're not going to be able to play, you know, you're not going to see how objectives can kind of stack. You're not going to play a whole lot of upgrades. You may learn the the, the card cycling mechanics pretty well yeah. because you're always looking to, to get better cards. Um, but if your dice go cold, it's not going to be a real enjoyable game. They don't have a lot that they can score without having to interact with their opponents. Yeah. So good. Cool. There, there's Iron Souls, solid yep. bronze on the new player rival scale. Ah, there we go. Starting off strong. Starting off strong. On to Lady Mournflight. One of my favorite championship war bands to play when they, they first came out. Um, wow. You know, beautiful models. We You know, you call them left, center, right, because you can't tell what one's what. Nope. <clears throat> um, but from a stat block, they're... They're pretty good as well. They yeah. all have two dodge. That's good. That's 
Rolling two defense dice, man. It's, it's more opportunities for crits. More opportunities for crits. Um, they also check the rival's box of having a three damage fighter um, right out the gate the, in, the, in a, the widow. There's an asterisk there. She's on She's on two furies. So oh. Not oh. the most accurate of three damage attacks, but it's still there. It's still there. You can still, you know, there's two crits available on those That's dice. Right. That's right. Um, they're fast. So move they're, four. Uninspired move four. Is, is, I mean, for four fighters, I mean, you need to get somebody somewhere. There's a good chance you'll get them there. Yeah. And really like what you said about not being accurate. The the other two, the anguish one and the screaming maiden, they're also on two fury. So not the most accurate where we went from, you know, the previous war band where they're very accurate. They're, they're not, they're not, nope. but, but they have the two dodge. And then the leader has the uh, lady Harrow has, has three fury, which is not, not a bad stat. All the, all the rest of them besides the widow doing two damage. Yeah. Um, the four move, but the inspire, what do you think about the inspire? Yeah. So you have a lot more control over this inspire. So the inspire condition is this fighter moved through a hex occupied by an enemy fighter in this activation. Um, so they just have to move through an enemy fighter. Um, you know, you have a lot more control over doing that. It's not random, uh, like trying to roll a crit. Um, but, what's critical is actually getting them inspired. Um, so they start, the leader has four health, uh, the two of them have three health, and then one of them has two health or two wounds. Uh, when they inspire, the anguished one goes from three wounds to four wounds, and the widow Kathy goes from two wounds to three wounds, which is a very big deal. It makes, uh, as Jason said earlier, it makes widow Kathy go from squishy to soft, and the anguished one goes from soft to, like, I mean, what I would consider a hard target. Four health is is a, a pretty magical window, uh, especially in the Rivals format, where four damage is it's pretty few and far between. But what really changes is the accuracy and then some pretty cool on-card uh, abilities. So, Jason, you want to run us through those? Yeah, because the accuracy kind of stacks here. The Maiden with the, f- the four goes from two Fury to four Fury, and then on a crit, she gets an additional damage. So four a four-dice fighter is... Really darn good. Yeah. Uh, and then the Anguished one goes to three Fury, but she gets this great ability where she the rolls of crit do not count as critical successes or successes um, for the defense rolls when she's making atta- attack actions. So right. that is huge. Like, oh, you roll the crit, now that doesn't matter. Like, nope. she, that is a very powerful ability when inspired. And then the Lady Harrow going to three damage, right? So, and she gains cleave. Right. And pro- probably one of the, the most forgotten about, at least when I played her, the most forgotten about ability on a fighter card is if she's not attacked when she's inspired, she can push. Like, you can react and push her one hex. Yeah. And given the type of objectives they have in their power hand, you want to be on objectives. You want to be moving around the board. I should say on feature tokens. You want to be on feature tokens. So that can really, really help you. Um, so let's move right into, the, into that, Jared. Like, yeah. Let's talk about the objectives because they're, they've changed with uh, Harrow Deep and not being objectives right out the gate. Yeah. So, uh, so they used to have one of the k- kind of coolest surges in the game, Fleeting Memories, which is uh, score this immediately 
Uh, when a friendly fighter makes a move action and enter two or more different hexes that contain an objective during that move action. Uh, this used to be pretty straightforward, you know, whether you got two objectives or three objectives uh, to set down onto your board, uh, you could put two of them, uh, each two away, uh, and then put your fighter, uh, you know, adjacent to one of them, and you move your one, two, three, four, and you enter both of those hexes that contain objectives, boom, surge scored. Uh, now, uh, you have to flip them first, which means that you need to put a, a fighter on them first, uh, which means things like uh, Lady Harrow's reaction uh, are going to be important. Um, so you can push people around or having pushed uh, tokens of your own or maybe pushing uh, enemy fighters off of gloom hexes that they flipped. Um, so, uh, so that's one. But uh, another one in that same vein is one will. And this is a, another surge. Score this immediately if your warband holds one or more even number of objectives and one or more odd numbered objectives. So What's cool now is that despite the fact that feature tokens start as gloom tokens, uh, you know the numbers that you are putting down. Uh, and so there's a really good chance that if you have three objectives, three feature tokens, you will get an even and an odd. You just have to remember which one is which. Uh, but it is still a surge, so you will score it uh, and be able to get that glory train rolling. Um, yeah, so that covers a couple of the surges. Jason, what else? What else is good in their objective deck? Yeah, just, just one other thing on fleeting memories, too, is remember when Widow, if the Widow is inspired, she does have an action. This, If this fighter has no move tokens, place this fighter in an empty hex and give this fighter a move token. So she can bounce around the board and get to the, the feature tokens that you need her to. Um, and then, you know, the one thing that I do want to add here is because historically um you would play them you would always pick engagement and kind of offset and give your opponent the three objectives and you would take two um you know now maybe you take three because that way one will you'll kind of know exactly where those are and you could really set yourself up to score one will and then have another fighter already positioned from a starting hex to score fleeting memories. And, you know, for our listeners, their gambits cover anything else that you want to do. That's true. So, like, even though you have to work harder for some of these objectives that were very easy, that are still very scorable, the gambits can can lead you to, to the way. Um, the other two objectives that i wanted to go over to was just nexus of terror which is a great card it's in the end phase if your warband holds the most objectives for two glory that's like you know almost like dominant position or another one of those um, championship cards that are you know the hold to hold more objective play style with the pushes in their gambits you can score that a lot uh and then dominion of death which a third score uh objective a third end phase card is typically not they don't get played much anymore but in rivals they will and this one is actually really good for three three glory yeah um you know if you scored the most objective cards you're gonna get it so that third end phase or the third um third uh phase of the game the third round you probably want to go first yes agreed so yeah <laughs> Uh, cool. All right. So gambits, um, two push an enemy fighter cards, 
one in the form of just push an enemy fighter, and another one is uh, it actually kind of assists in the inspire condition. It says choose an enemy fighter and push them up to two hexes towards a friendly fighter. So that's call of the grave. So you could actually pull somebody immediately adjacent, and then you get to easily move uh, through the hex that contains that fighter. Uh, and then frightful aspect is the uh, push an enemy fighter up to one hex. So you can push them toward away, uh, sideways, whatever you need to do. What else, Jason? And then another one is like that doesn't get played a lot. So I just want to call this out there because I, I think it's really cool is dissipate. It's a reaction. So you play it during an attack action before the attack roll. And you choose a friendly fighter and that fighter gets an innate dodge. This persists persist until the attack action ends or until a friendly fighter is taken out of action. Yeah. Um, it, just cool. Like, yeah, I'm going to I automatically have a successful defense. Yep. So you better roll some stuff. Yep. And then I get to roll two more dice. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then I kind of the last one that we want to call out here. Um, and before I call this out, it's really worth noting that that the gambits in the Lady Hero Mourn Flight rival deck, they're all good. Like there are none of them that I look at and I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to play that or that's not worth playing. Um, they're all very good. Um but the last one that we really want to call out is Spectral Charge. So plus one damage to the first range one or range two attack action made by a friendly fighter in the next activation. So it's uh, you have some fairly accurate fighters when they're inspired, uh, and you just get to throw a plus one damage on there. So it pushes, you know, two damage to three, three damage to four. Uh, you know, you get some, some, you can get some, some work out of this gambit. So with that, um, we go to the upgrades. What do you think, Jason? There, once again, a lot of good ones in here. Debilitating Aura would be the one that I would pick, though. The minus one dice to adjacent enemy fighters is really, really good in the Rivals format. Yes, yeah. Where you're not able to add a lot of accuracy because you can't draw from the universal cards. Uh, and so now you're reducing your opponent's accuracy, and you as a fighter are on two dodge anyway, so you get to roll two dice on your defense. So you could be taking somebody... You know, from two hammers to one, and you still get a roll to dodge. So, pretty yeah. good. What else? What other ones do you like? So, Swooping Dash. Uh, this is a, a plus two move upgrade, uh, and this can really help with positioning. It can really help you score one will, fleeting memories. Um, there's a, an objective where you uh, have to go through a block text and, a, and a, an enemy fighter, right? Yeah, inscap- inscapable hunger. Yeah. So, I mean, it can help score, um, help you score stuff. It can help with your positioning. If you, you know, go in and and do your attack, you could get out of dodge, you know, in the, the next activation or whatever you need to do. So it's pretty good. Yeah. And then I just want to call out, you know, because there is one fighter restricted card. It's probably the worst power deck card in their whole deck. And that's Grave Sand Glass, which goes on Lady Harrow, and she has a reaction after an attack action or ploy that takes an enemy fighter out of action, heal her one. So, great. great. But, it, once again, just want to make sure that everyone is aware that there are these um, fighter-restricted cards. Yeah. So, we went through all that. We didn't actually say what type of play style. So, in Rivals, what type of play style do they have, Jared? Yeah, so this is going to be what, what everyone calls Flex. Um, so meaning that they do two things uh, to, or more, uh, and, and, and they, they want to hold or manipulate beyond objective. 
tokens, feature tokens, uh, but they can also do aggro. Um, so, uh, you know, they're going to get some glory from their objectives. They're going to get some glory from actually fighting and taking out uh, enemy fighters. Um, so, you know, we would call it flex. And you really only need to hold two unless your opponent is also holding objectives. Uh, and the hold two is really just to make sure that you're holding more than your opponent um, and also being able to score uh, things like one will. Um, yeah. If you're laying boards down, uh, you're playing them. What's the one thing you definitely want to have, Jason? A blocked hex. Pick yep. a board with a blocked hex so you can score inescapable hunger. Yeah, you, you, you need it. Can't count on your opponent to have a blocked hex. <laughs> that is that is true. Unless they place first and they put one down, and you think that you can run all the way over there and get it. I I still would put a blocked hex down because yep. it doesn't. It also you can move through them, so it doesn't hurt you, but blocks right. them from doing things. Yep. Um, Good. Yep. Recap I, for new players. Well, not yet. What happens if you're sitting across from me? Oh. Look, I'm getting ahead. I have I know, notes right? and I'm you're, still getting Russian. ahead. Yep, yep. All right, so if I'm sitting across from them and I have to play against them, um, there are two things. Like, they, they have passive glory. There are some things in there. Like, so we didn't talk about um, ghostly torment. So they have an objective where they have to have two surviving, two surviving friendly fighters, but then two fighters on the board have to have wound tokens. So I want to gang up on one person. I don't want to leave any one of them with a wound counter on them because right. that'll help them score that. I want them to kind of have to waste activations not killing my guys, um, putting wounds on my guys and not killing them. So I want to gang up on them, but I want to be very specific when I go in. I don't want to give them the easy inspire, um, but I have to keep the pressure on them. They Once again, they have this kind of passive scores that they can do. Um, and they are not accurate until they are inspired. So really pick and choose when I come in and just gang up on that one fighter, whoever they give me. I want to go after the anguish one. If you're going to like give me one to, to go after, maybe you misplace Katha and I can just one-shot her with the two wounds, but probably not. If I have a jagger throw and a spear, I might be coming after her anyway. But. Yeah. Um, to to widow, but if I had to pick one of the any other any of the other ones, I want to take out the anguish one before they get the extra pip of wound going to four, and they get that crazy um, crit negating ability. So that would be the one that I would try to gang up on first. But again, really pick where you're going to come in and do that. Don't do it activation one turn one. You don't take out that fighter, and then you're just sitting there for the easy inspire. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. So don't uh, don't give away the inspire, target the anguished one. Maybe you'll get lucky and be able to take out Katha. So for a new player, what do we rate them? I'm silver, you, platinum, I, diamond. Yeah, can I go diamond or platinum? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, right. I mean, definitely gold. I think we hit it. That their power jack just fires. Like it is a uh, is really really good cards. Um, decent fighters. And for me, if I was a new player or I was introducing a new player and they had the, the basics of the game down, right? Yes. Like they knew, they knew the rounds, they knew the activations, they knew all the things that they could do. This is the warband that I would move to next. And the, for that is because it, it allows you to manipulate the board state 
with the gloom hexes where you're getting bonuses for your dodge and on gloom you're flipping those gloom hexes or feature tokens into objectives scoring surges and really it's a positioning game it yeah. i think this is a great warband it's they're they're really powerful in rivals um but i think it really would be a great progression to kind of see how a warband should operate after maybe playing in iron souls condemners yeah and i think that it you know it's also important to note it's a four fighter warband and there are four activations per action phase so you know that kind of helps helps a lot all right so uh we'll take a break here and we will come back with the beast grave starting more bands it's wild hunt and gas racks to spoilers yeah And we're back, and we are here to talk about the uh, starters in the Beast Grave, Skates Wild Hunt, and the Gashrax to Spoilers. So we'll start with Skates Wild Hunt, uh, like we did for the last Warband. We'll take a look at the fighter cards. So this is a five-fighter Warband. Um, they have Skate the leader. Um, he's move five, one block, four health. Uh, and then the rest are very similar. So there's three... Uh, more normal elf dudes so anyone that's not familiar with the warband skate is like a centaur he's like a deer body and then an elf upper body uh, and then we have some like goat-legged elf people in carthayan shiok and alfane they're all four move with three wounds carthayan uh, has two dodge um, but this is the first time in the game of underworlds where we're introduced to the hunter keyword which doesn't have any innate effects but it controls uh, maybe which up objectives are scorable, which upgrades can be played, which gambits can be applied. Uh, but the last and fifth fighter is Legane, who is just a large kitty cat. So five move, one dodge, two health. Uh, one not... of the coolest looking models that does not. It is. Yeah, he has a cool model. He's like a little tiny lion. He's got a crown, like a barbed tail. I don't know. He's cool. But he, yeah, he doesn't do anything. It's not very good. Um, Scathe is awesome. So he's got a javelin, and this is the first time that we've seen, no, second time we've seen a card like this. We saw it in the previous season in, uh, in Night Vault with, with Jagathra, but, uh, range three, two hammers, one damage. On a charge, it does an additional damage. So you can pip two damage with his five move. That's a threat range of eight, which is pretty good. Uh, and then he's got his kicking hooves, which are three furies for two damage. Um, and then, you know, the, the attacks are kind of samey across the way uh, for the rest of the fighters. Carthane, two smash for two damage. Shiok is two smash for two damage. Althane is an archer, so she's two smash for one damage, but range three. Um, so fairly accurate attacks, but not ridiculously accurate, um, but not a lot of damage in this warband. Uh, the inspire condition is that the fighter has a charge token at the end of a phase. Um, so... Uh, that gets interesting with the way that the new Inspire steps work, uh, and we can dig into that later. Um, well, we uh, I mean, we can go into it. Well, now. yeah, we go that. into it now. Yeah, so yeah, because it matters because things get a little better for them when they do Inspire. Uh, so the Inspire step is after the first activation, after the end of a phase. So you're going to get your charge tokens on, but your fighters will not Inspire until after the first activation, after they've charged. Yeah, uh, so after the, the, the end of the, when they charge, so yeah, you yeah. lose uh, an activation of inspired fighters. Yeah, uh, wh whether that's on the attack or on 
the defense, whether your opponent decides to go first or you decide to go first. So uh, the yeah, like a phase would be the the whole action phase, like all everyone's activations in the round is the end of the action phase, right? So before the end phase, they trigger the inspire, but they don't actually inspire into the inspire step, right? Which doesn't come out until the first inspire phase in the next activation in the next round right so yep. you you're gonna have a really you you may have a choice to, at round two do i want to go first and do something at a weaker level or do i risk it and let my opponent go first allow them to do something and then i get all four activations kind of at powered inspired up. state yeah so. Yeah, so um, one thing of note is that Carthayan has an on-factor, an on-fighter card action where he basically toots his horn, calls the hunting horn, you put a horn counter on the card, uh, and then uh, and during the next uh, attack action made by a friendly fighter, uh, you get to roll, re-roll any number of dice. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh, it provides for a lot of additional accuracy. It can make sure that, you know, like your one shot actually goes through because it's not just re-rolling one dice, it's re-roll any. Um, so, I mean, that would be a good use of an activation if you decide to go first. So you get to, you know, use the hunting horn action and then your fighters are inspired for whatever is going to come at you. Uh, but on the inspired side, uh, Skate's javelin gets more accurate. It goes from uh, two hammers to three. Um, the big thing here is that his hooves uh, become a scything attack. Uh, and he goes to two block, which is a big deal. Um, Carthayan goes to three damage, uh, which is, as we've mentioned before, having three damage on your fighter card uh, in Rivals format is big. Uh, you know, it gives you the opportunity to one-shot a lot of fighters, uh, four of the fighters in this warband, in fact. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know, they, they all get a little bit more accurate, but, uh, you know, nothing... Nothing crazy there. So uh, they, they all go to five move. So they do go to five move. Yeah. So they do get faster. Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, we're trying to trying to move this along quickly. So we may have to interrupt so that we don't miss anything important. Jason, objectives. So objectives. We'll start with. Uh, you may want to ditch for a couple of these cards. So there are um, some that will will not score. Like unless the board state is just perfect. Um, so very more difficult than when they were written, but I would go with rundown as being, you know, one of their, their best where this medium a friendly fighter takes an enemy fighter out of action with an attack action. That was part of a charge action. So that would be a good, good trigger and then run through if that, uh, if there is a, um, enemy taken out of action by your leader. So those two surges just kind of go hand in hand together. Um, and you know, really good. Those are really good surges. And then for the end phase, probably the best one is in there is um, uh, Purifying Rites. So this is score this in an end phase if your warband holds all objectives in one or more player territories. Uh, this is actually pretty easy to score now uh, thanks to uh, the Gloom Hexes. So now that feature tokens start flipped, uh, all you have to do is put one fighter on one objective in your territory and then delve it uh, right before the end phase, and it's for two glory. So it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, and I was will say just wrapping them all up, like other than that one that has the lethal hex, right, or on an objective hex, 
uh, for the surges. Everything else is is fairly scorable. Like yeah, there you know at a total of fifteen glory. Like you might have to work for it, but you you can get through it. Um, moving on to the gambits, what are your what are your big ones here? Yeah, so hunt and concert is big. Choose up the two friendly fighters and push each of them up to one hex. I mean that's pretty nice. You can move a fighter, push a fighter onto a feature token, delve it. And then now that fighter can then go charge something else. And so you have your delved future X as needed, you know, helps with positioning. Uh, and then the other one is retrieve javelin. So not one that anyone would have ever taken in a championship format, but um, Skate's javelin is one use only. Uh, and this is a gambit that allows him to uh, do that javelin attack again. It's really nice when he's inspired because it does go to three smash. So you have a really accurate ranged attack that can do two damage on the charge. Uh, and then this is uh, spells. So these will be the first spells that we see in the Rivals Warband overview. Um, and then, you know, the one that's in here that's probably the most worth noting is uh, Might of Kurnoth. Uh, it's a gamut spell. Casts on a focus. If cast, choose a friendly fighter. Their range one and range two attack actions have plus one damage. Uh, this spell persists until the end of the round or until that fighter is taken out of action. So it's not just the next act activation. It's all of that fighter's attack actions. Uh, it is worth noting that Carthane is a level one caster when he's not inspired. He goes to level two when he does inspire. And he's the only caster in the warband. So getting these spells off might not be the easiest thing to do. Um, yeah, and the, the other thing, too, that I just want to point out, because this is the first time we've seen spells... Uh, is that there's only one caster in the warband, right? And there's three spells. There is an objective soul binding, which is a surge, and there's one upgrade that are all for one fighter. So Carthean can add a lot of utility to your warband, and then when he is inspired, he does go three damage. So he is really important to to this deck. Not saying that if you lose him, you're going to lose the game. Um, you'll just have to be very mindful to ditch a whole lot more if he goes down. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Jason. All right, and, so upgrades. Yeah, you know, one or two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I have Kurnoth is good. Yeah, so I have which is, you know, plus one dice. Um, you know, you also get in Scenario if they're a quarry, but plus one dice and is very good. Um and then Shield Slash is probably the one that you're you're hoping that Scathe survives round one and that you get a, a glory and then you get Scathe with uh, with his Shield Slash, which is three damage. And now you have two fighters that are at three damage, which could be uh, really, really good. Yep. Uh, and then the last one is the one that, uh, that reduces damage, the Hail Charm, which yeah. uh, reduces damage by one. It's also restricted to a Hunter, but... That's four of your fighters. Um, and, you know, taking Scathe from four wounds really to, you know, five or six if you have to attack him twice. Uh, not that he's going up in the wounds, but that's what the equivalent is by reducing one damage. And in the right. Rivals format where damage is hard to come by, very powerful card. And even if you need to put this on, you know, um, Kern uh, what the heck is his name? Carthane. Carthane can also uh, help you out big time. Yeah. So, play style. Play style. Uh, flex. Here we flex are again, but, but, but with a heavy being leaned towards aggro. Um, so, flex between hold objectives and, um, 
and and aggro, but much more towards aggro basically because of the inspire condition. Yeah, the inspire condition you have to. Yeah, you're gonna have to attack, but you have to make there charges. Are some, there, there are. There's even an objective for holding three. That's right. Or, but it's a yeah. hybrid. You can either <laughs> hold three, or you take down an enemy fighter with a wounds characteristic of four or more. Um, so that's good. Boards. What do we want on boards? You know, I want something in the middle, like kind of like has middle deployment. Like yep. I really want to leverage their speed. Yeah. Um, they are soft, so I, you know, I want to make the enemy have to work to come to me if they're going to come to me. Um, but then I want to pick the engagement. I want to be able to use that four slash five move to get in where I want. So anything that has uh, three kind of three or four starting hexes, like two back um, or three back uh, from from the edges, um, so I can choose that. Yep, I like it. Uh, what if you're sitting across from them? What I don't know, Jared. Them? You've played you've played these yeah, played so them. much. If, I have. If I'm if I'm gonna bring out the wild hunt, what is your plan to dismantle me? Yeah. So either I'm gonna try to kill Skate or I'm gonna try to avoid him. So I'm gonna bait you with a target like on the flank, so that Skate ends up on the other side of the board, and then I can kind of run the other way and work on the rest of your fighters. Uh, or I'm just gonna put the bait right in the middle and hope you go for it, and then come in and try to kill Scathe. Uh, he's able to do the most work in the warband, uh, mostly because when he inspires, he goes to two block and he's got four health. Uh, and then that siding attack means that if I'm bunched up, he can come in and pop multiple fighters for two damage. So uh, don't bunch up, right? Don't yeah, bunch up. Try not to bunch up. Yeah, try to split out. Your targets aren't hard though. Three health, one dodge for most of them. Yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty doable. New player rating. I'm gonna give them a, a solid silver. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I they're fun. They they can be aggro, so they're they're gonna go in and hit things. I think their objectives are okay. Um, the rest of the deck kind of complements that. I think they're pretty matchup dependent. Like if you're going into a larger warband, they're gonna be more effective. Yeah. Um, if you're going into an elite warband, you're might struggle with your damage output um but if you're going into let's say a grim watch yeah or gash racks to spoilers or despoilers yep so cool well speaking of despoilers ooh, segue that's ah, well done jason why don't you run us through the fighter cards all right so the gash rack despoilers are a hold on boom a six-man warband um that really kind of revolves around two and a half fighters. So three of their fighters are just like the the, the Usher, which is Ushkor, Gnarl, or Gnarl's Barkley, and the, the Sneak. Um, those guys are just there. Like, they can help you achieve some of your objectives, but they don't, they do one damage on attacks. They're two wounds. They're really giving up glory. You utilize them when you need. Yeah. Um, the other two, the leader, the, you know, Gashrak himself, Decent fighter, two two hammers, two two damage, four health, which is big because he is the the beefy one of the warband. He's also a caster, um, which may be a trap. It's a trap. Uh, it's a trap. Um, but he also gives the the warband a reroll if you have a ritual counter, which is is pretty cool. Um, you get ritual counters from killing other. Um, you start with one and then get them if you kill an enemy fighter. Yeah. Um, and then really like you have. The Doom Bowl or Draknar, which is everyone's focus of this warband. He's a very aggressive fighter. Four move, three health. 
Uh, starts on a shield, which is is pretty good, um, but all, hitting on two hammers for three damage, right? That three damage threshold that we've been talking about. Um, so he's what's going to kind of get the attention of everyone. Um, but the real unsung hero of this warband is the half horn. So yes, he's hitting on two two uh, two fury, but he's doing two damage, and he's kind of the cleanup man. Drachnar goes in and, and sets him up, and Halfhorn knocks him down. Um, and they inspire by having two enemy fighters out of action. And when they do, you know, uh, um, my goodness, Gashrak. I always call him the spoilers, so, you know, yeah. Gashrak is, he gets cleave, um, still has the reaction. He does go to two power or two wizard level. Um, Drachnar, the Doom Bowl. He goes to three Fury with Cleave, so he gets a little more accurate. But then Half Horn goes to three Fury, um, so he gets a, a lot more accurate. That three Fury really makes the difference when looking for for a crit. Um, yeah, so that's the fighters. You know, fun six man. Moving into objectives, how do yeah. they fit into that? Yeah, so uh, the spoilers. Uh, so when this warband was introduced, they uh, this was the first uh, score surge score immediately for holding objectives uh, in the game, and so it was score this immediately after an activation. If your warband holds three or more objectives, then it's for two glory. So it's a great way to get that glory train rolling, um, you know. And the thing of it is now, though, uh, is uh, it's going to be a little telegraphed because you're going to have to go under your objectives and then delve them. Uh, but you could also use that to bait your opponents. So you could push onto objectives with fighters that you don't care about, uh, delve those objectives, maybe bait an attack, and then you can go in and clean up with Dragnar or something. Um, but uh, but that one's a big deal. Uh, we've also got Stampede, so that's the other surge, and this is score this immediately when a third or subsequent friendly fighter makes a charge action in the same phase. And you know you may be thinking, well, how am I going to charge three fighters uh, and and not put them all in danger while two of your uh, useless fighters have ranged attacks. So you can make those charge actions and still be three away from the enemy fighter uh, when you inevitably miss and do not damage them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The, you can definitely set up the charges onto the, the gloom feature hexes, right? Right. Get a little, little extra protection and achieve some things. So. Yeah. All right. What about the end phase, Jason? Survival of the fittest, one of like one of my favorite style of cards where you score for things being out of action. Yeah. Um, you know, for two glory, five or more fighters out of action. This could include your own. Um, you do have to have at least one surviving friendly fighter to score it. Um, it's in an end phase and it really can swing the game. Um, so I really like that one. Um, and it kind of kind of fits their play style, right? They're a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and kill stuff and or die, and we're still yep. going to score some glory. I like it. And it's two glory in the end phase, so that's nice. Nice. All right, gambits. We got some, uh, some bang, anger, and hatred. So bang, anger is plus one dice, and bang, hatred is plus one damage. This is really nice on Gashrak, or not on Gashrak, on Dragnar. So you push him to three hammers for four damage. Uh, in an activation, and then you can use the ritual counter to do a reroll, uh, and and possibly dome a four wound fighter in you know single activation, which can be a big deal because if you're facing four wound fighters, you've either taken out a leader or you've taken out one of a 
of a of an elite warband. So uh, I like those. What else do we like, Jason? Yeah, the other one will be uh, vile invaders, and this one can really set up that despoilers, right? So it's push two friendly hunters and push them to hexes. Keynote here: Drachnar and your leader are not hunters, but everybody else is. So these one, this card can really set you up. Let's say you already have one on an objective, right? And you push on to an, two other objectives and delve, and then going into your activation, you do something and then score that despoilers. So um, I really, really like like that card for you know up to two and push up to two. It's big time. Yep. I like it. All right, so let's move on to upgrades. Uh, Blood Craze. So this is a, a plus one damage card, but it has a caveat. So plus one damage to this fighter's range one and range two attack actions if this fighter has one or more wound tokens and or is adjacent to a fighter that has one or more wound tokens. So either you're damaged or the person you're attacking is damaged. Uh, you get plus one damage on your attacks. Or so, you have a friendly fighter adjacent to you that has a wound token. Right. Someone's got to be wounded. Somewhere. Somebody near you has got has to have taken some damage. So this can push half horn to a three damage attack. And you push Gashrak to a three damage attack. Push Dragnar to a four damage attack. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, the one another one that is a fighter specific card, and these guys have a lot of fighter specific cards more than Wild Hunt. Um, it's you actually have to you know, pay attention what card can go on who because they're not just hunters. But one for Draknar is called Trophy Taker, and this is if you take a, an adjacent enemy fighter out of action, you gain an additional glory point. Yep. Really great card to stack glory on someone that wants to be knocking people out of action anyway. Yep. Uh, and then uh, the other upgrade that we want to talk about is Heedless of Pain, and it's plus one wound on either Murgoth, Halfhorn, or Draknar. Uh, so you're Pushing them from three wounds to four, um, which is a big deal. That's a big threshold. Yeah. Playstyle, well, Jason. Well, before we get to the playstyle, just one okay. last note on just the 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 cards themselves. The the thing with the spoilers and me having played the spoilers is, is there's a lot of combos in the cards, and because the warband is so squishy, it's going to take a little bit to figure out those nuances. I mean, like half horn, you have. Bull Charge, which you think would go on Drachnar, but it's really for the Halfhorn, which gets you an innate Fury. So now he's hitting. Um, you have Blood Taunt, which like basically damages you to get you plus dice. Plus it kind of goes with Blood Craze. So there's a lot of combos in there that can really take this Warband from kind of wet noodle to I have a lot of dice, a lot of damage with some rerolls. So a lot of combos in the cards here. Um, and that leads me to the playstyle of being flex. So, um, you know, you want to get on objectives for some things. You want to aggro some things. And in the end, you just want to kill things. Yep. Sounds pretty flex to me. So if I'm, if I'm out there and I got the, the warband in front of you, what are you countering with? Uh, I'm just gonna kill all the little dudes. Just farming glory, my friend. Farm, farming. I mean, two two health with one dodge. You know, uh, that's a beautiful target. It's a beautiful target. <laughs> Skates um, coming in with his javelin. That's right. Um, and even Dragnar. I mean, you know, the fact that he starts on three health. Um, you know, if you can, if you can either hit the little ones or you can spend a couple of activations and take down Dragnar. You know, hit him with two damage for, with once and hit him with one damage the next time. You know, he's out. Uh, and takes out 
pretty heavy hitter in the warband. Um, yeah. Yep. Target of opportunity. Yep. What about new player rating? Bronze, silver, gold. So, you know, when we were talking about, we said silver. I think this is like a, a like a silver bronze alloy, maybe. More, <laughs> yeah, more, sil- more silver than bronze. But still, I don't think they're quite as good. I mean, they're fun. They're a lot yeah. of fun to play. There's different ways to score glory, but they are very, very squishy. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I, Yeah, they're probably right on that that like tier of it could be bronze it could be silver because they can be they can go poorly if you're not getting those combos that you need yeah 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 i mean i'm i'm i mean i'm willing to say you know as much as like 70 or 80 percent silver the 20 percent 20 30 percent bronze but they're still not quite like a pure silver well good oh well that does it for the the starter set of beast grave we'll take a break and we'll be back with grimwatch and ripa So we will start with the Grim Watch. Jason, you want to cover the fighter cards? The Grimmy, Grimmy, Grimmy Watch. Yeah, so the, the Grim Watch are a seven fighter warband, um, which could be tricky to manage for, for new players in the rival format. There's there's a lot of pieces out there. Um, you know, most of them are the same. Like there are three like Cryptgool hunters that are basically they have the same stat lines. You have Alric, which d- cannot resurrect, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, and then Grizzlewell, which is kind of that that magical three damage we keep talking about. So yeah, keep him, keep him, keep him safe. Um, they're all all the the fighters, all the the ghouls looking fighters are four moves. So Grizzlewell can kind of be safe. Um, and then you have the the Harriers, which are just you know large bats, the Duke's Harriers. They have five range, which is pretty good right out the gate. And really, that is that is your dangle, bro. That's the piece that you want to put right out there closest to the enemy. Because if you lose them, it really doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. they are um, that distraction piece. Uh, and then last, you have the Duke himself, which he has a range two attack, which is really good for maximizing those attacks. Two hammers. Uh, for two damage, but I do want to touch on he has a special action, and also this action takes place at the start of the action phase in round two and three, and that is he can do a ghoul, uh, ghoul call, which brings back either the Royal Butcher, the Master Talon, or the Knight's Herald um, back into the game, and you place the scatter token on the board, roll a die, and whatever way it kind of goes, they go to the furthest hex possible way, and they come back, um, which is kind of kind of like a key component of this warband. Um, you know, the other thing that for that, that new rivals player that I'll just put out there here is just don't, don't feed your opponent, the glory, right? Don't feed them the, the crypt ghouls. You, right. you don't want them to just lay waste to those, those fighters. Um, so that's kind of the fighters. Um, their inspire is at the end of the, the round. If you have less than, uh, no more than two. Oh my goodness gracious. Can I read? You do not want two enemy fighters in your territory. If there is only one or less, you inspire. Again, they are triggered in that inspire phase, inspire step um, process. So the first activation of round two, uh, if you would have triggered to be inspired, you'll have to wait till that inspire step to inspired. Uh, but a key for this warband is to get inspired early 
and keep the enemy out of your territory. Yep. To the cards. To the cards. To the cards. So uh, kind of the first objective that we want to call out is in the name of the king. Uh, This is uh, the Grimwatch version of Despoiler. Score this immediately after an activation in which Warband holds three or more objectives and it's two glory. So it's a surge. Happens during the activation phase. Can feed glory for upgrades uh, as you need them. Um, But you got to be on three objectives to do it. So what else, Jason? Uh, Pervasive delusion, which is when you play your third or subsequent Gambit card in a single round. Um, So. No, simple surge. Simple surge. For doing what you want to do anyway. That's right. And then the last one, I think, is the. um, Oh, my goodness gracious. My reading comprehension. In comprehensible speak, scheme. Speaking of incomprehensible. Um, score this in the end phase if your warband holds more objectives than each enemy warband. So yep. all you got to do is hold one more. Yep, that's right. And it could be one if your opponent's not trying to get on any. So. Could, could be. Yep. Sweet. All right, gambits. Well, uh, given, given that we went over the we don't want the enemy in our territory, yep. I think... Uh, Appalling visage, visage. Yes. Uh, choose one friendly fighter and one adjacent enemy fighter. Push the chosen enemy fighter two hexes away from the chosen friendly fighter. Uh, Again, like I mean, we think we've picked a push card in almost any or any and all of these kind of recaps, but this one could be vital early game, keeping the enemies out of your territory to inspire. Uh, so the next one you have is Pack Advance. Uh, again, uh, on the theme of pushes, choose one or more friendly crypt goals and push, e- push each of the chosen fighters up to two hexes. Uh, just like the uh, Vile Invaders card from the Despoilers, this is a good way to get two fighters onto objectives without having to use uh, activations or three fighters since there are three crypt goals. You could actually use this, uh, push your fighters uh, onto the uh, Gloom Hexes, delve those Gloom Hexes into objectives, and then do something else with another fighter during your activation and be able to score in the name of the king. And then the last gamut that we're going to talk about is is an odd one. I'm not going to say it's the best out of all 10 of these, but Recycled Riches is basically, we don't manipulate the discard pile all that often in this game. In this one, you take all the cards from your power discard <coughs> pile that, that have the Grimwatch Warband symbol, shuffle them face down, then add the top card to your hand, return the other cards to the discard pile, Really, really good early game, especially if you're trying to get that appalling visage uh, or pack of ants twice. That yeah. is really, really good. Kind of late game. It's you know it's hit or miss, but I think it's a cool card because we don't see that type of mechanic often. No, that's true. All right, so let's move on to the upgrades. I think the first one that is uh, worth noting is Impervious Delusion. So this is an upgrade. It can go on any fighter. If this fighter would be dealt more than two damage by an attack action or gambit, they are instead dealt two damage. Uh, This damage cannot be further modified. Uh, So if you want to keep Gristlewell alive, uh, somebody comes in swinging for three or four damage, somebody comes in swinging for three or four damage against the Duke, they've spent spells or gambits to do so, well, suddenly they are only doing two damage. Um, so it's a yeah. pretty big deterrent, really, because the upgrade would be on the fighter when they come into swing. Yeah, it's um, it's not as strong as it is in championship, but still, keeping one of those two fighters alive, it's probably going to do it at least once. Yep. Um, you know, the other one that I, the seized weapon is 
a, it's a weapon action upgrade, three fury for two damage. Um, when you apply it to a fighter, if there's someone adjacent to you, they take a damage, an enemy fighter, which is pretty cool. But the key with this card is is the, the Crypt Wolves, they come back. And, you know, really what you're looking for is for them to come back and use this weapon over and over again. So that's what I meant. Like, you don't want them to go away, uh, necessarily go away, turn one and, and give away easy glory. But if it does happen, they come back with a weapon and they're in prime charge um, radius on the board to, to teed up your enemies. Yep. Then the third and final one is, well, not third and final. I think we got four yeah. here. but We do have four, yeah. So uh, well-motivated is the next one. It's that uh, critical plus one damage to this fighter's range one and range two attack actions upgrade. Throw that on Gristlewell. He's doing three damage. You know, you put it on Valreek or one of the Crypt Ghouls that has the seized weapon, and now they're doing three damage, uh, which is pretty good in the Rivals format. Yeah, there's very few plus one damage in Rivals, and this one is even good on Crack Marrow. So he can go to four damage uh, at two range um, if you so desire. Yep. Uh, and then we wouldn't, like, talking about Fighter Restricted and Crack Marrow, um, he, they also have a trophy card. So when this fighter's attack action takes an adjacent enemy out of Fighter, gain one additional glory point for Crack Marrow himself. So if the Duke gets powered up, and inspired, he can really harvest some glory for you. Yep. Yeah, that range to attack action is nice because it means that you can maybe move uh, and then start bopping people that are two away. Yeah. Play style, Jason. You know, flex uh, again to just say it in one word, but really the the name of this warband is defend your territory. Turn one, get inspired. Then leverage what glory you do have to start go going and and taking out your opponent. They have the range, they have the ghoul call, they have some really good upgrades and gambits, but getting inspired is paramount paramount to get um, Grizzlewell hitting better, Valreek hitting better, plus a little better dodge, and then really crack marrow, um, leveraging him to three three damage. Yep. Um, you have to defend your territory and maybe score a name of the king along the way. I like it. What about uh, the new player rating? Oh, boards. 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 So you you only want two easy targets, two easily accessible targets for your opponent, and those two easily accessible targets should be Valreek and the Harriers um, because of what Jason described earlier where you want to keep the ghouls alive to give them the upgrade so that when they do inevitably die, you can bring them back. Fantastic. Now the counter. So if I'm playing Grimwatch, you tell me, Jason. You played him a bunch. How do I? How do I break you? Don't let me inspire. Yeah, that's true. Yep, 100. <laughs> percent Block that inspire whenever you can. Yeah, give them if if you have the choice, you give them three feature tokens so that you can control the engagement, so that you can have two or more fighters in enemy territory, so they don't get that inspire. They change drastically. They they do. They definitely change drastically. They get different upgrade or different abilities on their fighter cards. I mean, the Herald gets the minus one dice from adjacent attacks. Yep. If he gets inspired, um, Grizzlewell becomes really nasty if they inspire. So kind of where in other warbands we've said, pick your time to go across. When you're playing Grimwatch, get across and then pick your time. I like it. 
<laughs> uh, new player rating. Silver. Silver. Now they're silver. Why this one silver? Well, I mean, so they've got good cards, um, and the fighters are good. Um, I think that there's something to be said about uh, learning to manage a, a seven fighter warband, which maybe pushes them like on the low end of silver. Um, but um, you know, they've got some great objectives. Uh, you know, that lend lend towards what you want to do with the warband anyway. The fact that you want to defend your home territory, uh, you know, and, and kind of sit and wait and score some stuff passive and then go in and smash your opponent. Uh, I think keeps them in that silver rating. So, uh, are they more silver than Despoilers or less silver than Despoilers? Definitely more silver than Despoilers. Okay. Little I think the fighters overall are better. Crackmare going to three damage is a big deal. Well, excellent. That gets Grimwatch out of the way. And right into Rippa's. And did you know a little fact note for our listeners? Rippa's is one of the few warbands in my collection that has not actually seen the table. I did not know that. Yeah, it is one of the... There's only a few. Molog being another one. They are fully painted, and I have I've yet to actually roll, roll dice. I've played them before, but not my painted Rippa's. Mm-hmm. should change that. Don't you have some more <sighs> league games to play? I do. Throw Rippas, throw Rippas in there. All right, so Rippas, another elite warband. Three fighters, um, uh, four move, which is nice. One shield, four health. Um, so a lot like Stormcast Eternals, uh, but they're uh, less accurate and they do less damage. Uh, you know, kind of the theme here is uh, you want to let people attack Rippa because your other two guys inspire when Rippa's attacked. And then you want to try to build up glory because Rippa inspires uh, when he has two or more upgrades on. Uh, one of the new features on this card is they have a, a, a reaction attack action. So all of these uh, goblins are riding wolves. They get a Snarlfang Jaws attack on their fighter cards. Uh, it's made after an activation in which this fighter made an attack action. And it's uh, one smash for two damage. Cannot be modified, but it is two damage. And uh, as we've seen in a lot of the other warbands, there are a lot of two-wound fighters out there. Uh, that become even more vulnerable in the rivals format, thanks to the lack of universal upgrades. Um, so that you know that that bite attack action uh, can be critical. It can let you attack two fighters. Uh, you know, do one with your regular attack, do another one with the bite attack, uh, and so on. And it really is critical in scoring some of the objectives uh, that we're going to look at. So uh, and they, with that, go with, for the, it. with the jaws, all three of them could hit for three damage right out the gate. That's with true. Rippa yes. hitting for four. Yep, that's true. Yep. If, no, if it is these... two. It is two, two attacks, but yep, it is. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's in that mythical number. It is hitting that hitting that number. Um, to start off on the object- objectives, I'm just gonna go leading the charge. Like I, Rippa, we want him to get attacked. I'm just gonna go in there and I'm gonna score this immediately if my leader makes a successful attack action that's part of a charge. Yep. Dun, you, have, you have two. Well, no, only one opportunity to do that. The bite doesn't yes. count. The bite doesn't count because it's part of a charge action, correct? Yeah. But he has but, two, two hammers for two damage. I mean, two smash two. is fairly accurate. That's right. Yeah, could happen. Going in. I'm doing it. Oh. Uh, no mercy. I think it's another one worth talking about. Score this immediately after a friendly fighter's successful attack action that targeted an enemy fighter with one or more wound tokens. So this plays right into the wolf bite. You come in. Do one damage, two damage with your normal attack, and then the, the the wolf bite hits. 
And it also lends itself to the fact that these fighters don't do a lot of damage out the gate. So you could hit with one and then come in and hit with another one um, because you aren't doing enough damage to take fighters out. Um, so you can score glory and you're taking a fighter out. So really this card is worth two. Um, so yeah. Or, those upgrades. or you just sit there with me and I just plucking away with his bow. You're like, boo, boo. That's true. You could do that as well. That's also an option. So, um, and then, Another one will be Cruel Hunters, right? Yes. Conquered, no, Conquered nope. Land. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm okay. skipping ahead. Conquered Land. Score this in end phase if your warband holds all objectives in one or more players' territories. Just like Wild Hunt with the Gloom, this is pretty good. It's worth two glory, so you can totally just sit one of your guys in your territory, delve that in the last activation, hold all the objectives in your territory, and you're going to score two glory. And get two upgrades on Ripa, and now he's inspired. Now we ready to roll. Nailed it. Uh, one objective that we do want to call out, not because it's necessarily good, but it probably has the best objective card art in the game, is marking your territory. Uh, it is exactly what you would imagine it to be with a warband of three wolf riding dudes uh, when it comes to marking your territory. I love that card. It's it's <laughs> awesome. All right, gambits. Oh, gambits. Um, Furious reprisal. Uh, reaction, play this after an enemy fighter's attack action that targeted a friendly fighter. That friendly fighter makes an attack action that must target the enemy fighter, and you can reroll any number of dice in the attack roll. So this is a free attack action. You, like After you've been targeted um, and survive, it, you can use it to make a Jaws attack. Now, the, the Jaws attack couldn't be a reaction to the attack action, um, because it specifically says in the fighter's activation, but you could select Jaws as your attack, and then yep. you could reroll those dice. Yep. Yeah, so one thing of note is that the, the Snarlfang's Jaws cannot be modified, so you cannot add dice, cannot add damage. Uh, you can only uh, reroll. Or, yeah, that's basically it um what else do we pick uh narrow escape so this one's nice uh reaction play this one a friendly fighter is dealt damage before placing wound tokens on their fighter card reduce that damage by one to a minimum of one so somebody comes in they spend a lot of resources to do four damage to one of your four wound fighters boom now that was a three damage attack this fighter is not out of action and they've spent a bunch of resources to try to make that happen cool and then the last one we're going to go with the push Pack Tactics, choose one friendly fighter and up to two other friendly fighters that are adjacent to that fighter and push each of them one hex. So always maximizing attacks or maximizing your move. We love those push cards. We do, we do. All right, upgrades. Oh, the best upgrade. Bonded. The best upgrade, bonded. So when this fighter makes an attack action that targets an adjacent enemy fighter or the or the target of the attack action made by an adjacent enemy fighter, this fighter is considered to have one additional supporting fighters. And let me tell you, when you're standing in a gloom hex and you have an inspired Ripa and you're on guard and you're on guard, you're, you're probably not going to get hit because it has to be critted out. So you're literally, uh, (laughs) literally cannot roll a failure on your defense dice at that point. If you're on guard, but either way, bonded is very good. Even if you're not on guard, and you're still getting it basically going to a, sh- you know, a shield. Um, and then if you're on a gloom hex, which you probably want to be or will manipulate to be, 
on your your charges, um, it really ups your survivability. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the next upgrade is Embittered Survivor, plus one wounds. This is always a big deal on four wound fighters because it pushes them to that past the threshold of four damage, which is pretty rare, as we've discussed. So you're just making one of your fighters have five wounds, which is awesome. Last but not least, Jason. The pack leader, giving it to Rippa, where he can reroll some dice on his uh, Jaws attack. Yep. And it is a fighter-restricted card, so good to know there. Um, one thing that we didn't know when we were breaking down Ripa's, the upgrades, they, they don't have a ton that are great. They have some good ones and then some very niche one, niche ones. So, um, not, not too heavy on the upgrades. Um, but that leads us to play style. And I, you know, if you're asking me, I think they're, they're probably passive sitting in the back. Yeah. Super passive. Don't no, no, hundred <laughs> percent aggro. Uh, if, if you want to play an aggro warband, this is the warband that you uh, And you want to feed them Rippa. So if you throw Rippa in early, hopefully they attack him. Your other two fighters can get inspired. It just increases your defense, helps with the, the Star Fang bites, all those things. And boards? Do we have any recommendations uh, on boards? I mean, you could probably go mid. Yeah. I, I think good. I would go mid, but I'm not... I'm not I'm not yeah. sad if Rippa's up front. I just don't want them to maximize their charges on Rippa. Right. Like, I want to give them one charge, maybe two, uh, you know. So mid, I think is mid with uh, the fact that there are some objectives where you do have to hold an object or a feature token in our, our area. So. Yep. So. What if we're I sitting finally, across from them? Yeah. I, I finally get them on the table, Jared. What are you going to do? I'm not attacking Rippa. No. You're supposed um, to. No, I'm not attacking Rippa. I'm going to go after the other two, do my do the best that I can, um, understanding that in the Rivals format, I may not be able to take them out. So if I can damage one and then damage the other, uh, whatever the case is, just kind of get them down, get them vulnerable. Um, and then try not to have vulnerable fighters. Oh, I can't use the word vulnerable since that's the keyword. <laughs> try not to have squishy fighters, two-wound fighters, um, you know, next to each other uh, so that you know, Ripa can't come in and do two damage on one and then have his wolf do two damage on another. Yeah, you you definitely just stay away from Ripa. Don't let him maximize his attacks. Yep. Rating? I'm going to give him, you know, I, we're on the silver kick. And the thing that I'll say here is, like, you, you kind of mentioned it. If you're going to play aggro, play Ripa's. And the reason that I'm saying silver for... A new player that wants to just get in and start rolling dice and be aggro, I think Ripa fits it perfectly. If your dice go hot, it's you're going to be like, these guys are amazing. Um, they have some survivability. I think they're really, really fun. I think they transition very well to championship. Like they're a great yeah. stepping stone warband. You get to you get to learn a lot of re, uh, the actions and reactions. Uh, and then when you're ready to go in a championship, you already know the warband in and out, and you just add in some aggro cards. Um, so I'm going to go a solid silver. And on matchup, if like if we're if you're going into Grimwatch or you're going into the spoilers, what we just covered, these guys are just they're loving life. I oh, mean, those wolves are just chomping down. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so we'll take a break and we'll come back with uh, the Worm Spat and Hrothgorn's Man Trappers. Uh, ooh.
And we're back. And uh, in this segment, we're going to talk about uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Rothgorn and his man trappers. And we will also be talking about the worm spat. Uh, and we'll get the worm spat out of the way first. So the worm spat, uh, Nurgle Warband. Uh, this is an elite warband, three fighters. Uh, they're tough. Uh, they have built-in damage reduction. This is the first time we've ever seen anything like this. So anytime you roll a defense roll, if you roll a shield, it reduces the damage by one to a minimum of one. Uh, this can be really disruptive uh, when uh, fighters are coming in. Uh, the fighters are all reasonably accurate, doing two damage. Uh, uninspired, Fecula is a wizard, so she has a ranged attack, uh, and, and that can help with the Inspire. The Inspire condition is that uh, three or more enemy fighters are out of action and or have one or more wound counters. So you just need a total of three or more wounded and or dead enemy fighters to get inspired. Uh, but when they get inspired, they're really good. So Gulgach and uh, Sepsimus, who are the, the two other fighters, go to two block. Sepsimus gets uh, three damage on his range two, two smash attack. He also gets a three fury, two damage scything attack. Gulgach goes to three smash for two damage with cleave. And then even Fecula goes to three damage for two smash with the cleave. And her uh, attack spell action, spell attack action uh, is now gets to be cast on uh, channels instead of foci. So it's yes. a more accurate. And she doesn't go to three spell. damage. She goes to three hammers. Three. Just... Yeah, sorry. Three smash for two damage. Um, so, you know, the, you have your, your um, you know, much appreciated three damage attack on Sepsimus and then you know, what is arguably the most accurate attack available in the Rivals format uh, with three smash on your other two fighters. So uh, all in all, I mean, the fighters, fighters look, they look pretty good uninspired and they look really good when they do inspire. So yeah, great stop stat blocks. Yeah, really good. I mean, they're a little slow. So move three, right? Yeah. But what do you expect when Papa Nurgle has blessed you with all of his blessings? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Still, still five range threat on Sepsimus and yeah. six on Fecula. So there's still yeah. some, some range yeah. there. Yeah, Sepsimus being range two is a big deal. So we talked about that with with Crack Marrow. His range two attack was a big deal, and it holds true for Sepsimus as well. Um, how about those objectives, Jason? How about them? So uh, uh, <laughs> three surges, three, three surges, surges. So if anybody hasn't been keeping up, most of the warbands that we have talked about to date have had five surges. Grimwatch has six. And yep. then, um, like we said, I think that the uh, Condemners had four. Um, it just makes it hard to churn through your deck. So with yeah. only having three surges, uh, if you don't have any of the surges in your hand, any of your surge objectives in your hand, when you draw your objective hand, you want to ditch. I don't care what's in there. You ditch. Um, if you have any surge objectives in your hand, you probably want to keep them. Because if you ditch them, who knows when you'll get them back. So. Yeah, the only the only one that I would say is the caveat is bless, Blessed Endurance. If the enemy fighter or the enemy warband doesn't have a three damage characteristic, that one I would also get rid of as well. Oh, that's true. Yeah, if, it's the, if that's the only surge you have, then yes, get rid of that one for sure. Yeah. But, anyway, um, so now that we know that the objective deck <laughs> for this warband is a hot pile of garbage what are the what are the three nuggets the three, the three i'm going to take or the three oh, that i like three little kernels of corn in this 
<laughs> well, Sleeping Rod is probably their their easiest score. Um, the only downside to this one is it is dependent on your opponent, uh, but it's scored immediately when a friendly fighter is holding an objective that is a target of an attack action and is not driven back, uh, and they survive. So they're basically they're still holding the objective after they've been attacked. Key, yeah. they have to be holding objective, so you have to get on the the feature token and flip it. Um, but you know it it is when it happens it scores easily, um, yep. and it's the only super easy one in 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 the deck for score immediately. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the other surge is is fell the faithless, and this is just score this immediately when an enemy leader is taken out of action. So. Yeah. Um, you know, something you're probably going to be trying to do anyway, but is not always easy to do, especially on turn one. Yeah. Then the, the easiest objective in the entire deck would be the cycle of decay, which is score this in end phase if you played two or more cycle ploys in the preceding action phase. Um, and that'll really lead us into the gambits because the cycle cards are gambits and they have, I think, five of them. They do, yeah. So, yeah, Cycle is just a special type of ploy. You play it just like any other Gambit. Um, and then probably the best Cycle card um, is Nauseous Revulsion. Uh, so this is minus one dice from attack actions made by enemy fighters adjacent to one or more friendly fighters. Uh, one thing to note about the Cycles is that they persist until either the end of the round or until you play another Cycle ploy. Um, so uh, there is another good Cycle, though. And that's uh, unnatural vitality. And this is just a flat plus one move to your friendly fighters. So you go from three move to four, uh, which is, you know, it's a big deal. So Sepsimus's range, his threat range is now six. Fecula's threat range is now seven. Um, so it really lets you reach out and, uh, and, and, and attack targets as needed. Yeah. What else, what else we got for gambits, Jason? Uh, well, another thing that can also make them a little bit more mobile is steady advance where you can choose up to two fighters and push them one hex can set you up on those feature tokens or really maximize your activations and get Sepsimus to attack multiple times as he ping pongs around. Yeah. Um, the other thing to note is there are three spells um, just again, as it is rivals deck like Fecula, although these spells are not, they're not great. Um, but if Fecula goes down, those three cards become useless. Yeah. Yeah. And they do have an objective to score. Uh, if you, um, if you cast, I think two or more spells. Um, so, uh, yeah. Cool. Yep. Uh, on to upgrades. Upgrades. Yeah. So, um, so I do want to say that basically like all of the cycles are good. Uh, most of their gambits are good. The spells aren't worthless, but they're not, you know, game breakers uh and their upgrades are great like all of their upgrades are pretty good it's really just the objective deck that that holds this this warband back um so to kick things off we've got stolid volk uh so anybody that knows anything about nurgle knows that they're all about getting bigger and being infected with more disease um and so stolid volk it just means that the driver cannot be driven back um and that's critical for seeping rot the objective that jason highlighted um you know, you can still be pushed, which, you know, differentiates it from other uh, uh, upgrades and ploys that prevent pushing. You just can't be driven back as part of an attack action. Yeah. What else? And then Unstoppable Tread, which is a reaction after the fighter's activation, push this fighter one hex. Uh, again, this upgrade is, in my opinion, the best in the deck. 
Um, and it, cause it can really allow you to maximize your activations with any fighter, but mainly Sepsimus because he has two range. Um, you know, if you want to get in, if you don't want to burn the charge and lock him up for the whole round, you have this card on him, you know, put him on guard. If you put him on guard, then you can push him one or move. And then you can push an additional one. Um, then if you attack without the charge, you can then push again and kind of, you know, bounce around and, and really get more than just that one charge attack around that you, you yep. could get. So. Yep. Yeah. And then I think probably the last key upgrade is hulking physique. So this is Gulgotch specific. Um, but it is minus one move to a minimum of zero. But it is also plus one wounds. So you're now pushing a naturally resilient fighter to five wounds and plus one damage to this fighter's range one attack action. So his default attack action is now three smash, three damage with cleave. Uh, very accurate, very deadly attack. And it's pretty good. Um, and then honorable mention goes to Putrid Vomit. <laughs> so this is an attack action upgrade whose flavor text is, and I quote, <laughs> So it's a ranged attack, three fury, three range, one damage. Uh, it's eligible for Pecula and Golgotch. Uh, and it's actually useful for, for getting the Inspire off, uh, letting you get extra attacks without necessarily having to move um, to try to do that ping damage uh, to meet that Inspire condition. You just like the flavor text. I love the flavor text. It's my favorite flavor text in the whole game. <laughs> Um, so good. So that that's the kind of the cards we got. The fighters, boards. What kind of board do you want? Uh, a board. A board. Yeah. So <laughs> with three fighters, uh, and you know they're being kind of slow. You want starting hexes closer together, um, and you probably want them closer to the front of the line because they are slow, but not necessarily like right on the line. Um, but as we were discussing this earlier. Uh, off the offline jason brought up a, a really good point um you you want to pick a board that's going to allow you to push those feature tokens uh towards the middle of the board so you know whatever feature tokens you get to place are pushed uh, towards the middle of the board you likely want to try to place one across the line uh, and then you know if you get three then those other two you want to be really close to the middle of the board um, it just lets you stay close it lets you uh, keep engaged, keep Fecula in range to cast her spell if somebody else comes for the objective uh, and what have you. Yeah, I, I think we can explain that more as as we go through the play style too. So, yeah, what sure. would you what would you say their play style is? So, I think that if if we're playing uh, championship, you know, you can push this warband into full control where you're really actively working against your opponent's goals. Um, and then doing aggro when needed. So there's still flex, and that's kind of a theme across the rivals' decks. Is is they they do a lot, um, but because they don't have anything that really affects their opponents, you don't have a, a card that lets them push enemy fighters or you know move feature tokens around or anything like that. Uh, it, it becomes maybe like a denial aggro warband. Um, you want to hold objectives to keep your opponent from scoring and to help you score receiving rot. Uh, but you're likely going to be relying on kills uh, to get glory. So you got to be patient. You got to choose your engagements. You got to keep your fighters close together, uh, and that's where um, you know that objective placement. You know you want to hold those objectives to prevent your opponent from getting on objectives or holding more, which has been a theme uh, across the other warbands uh, in in the Beast Grave. Um, 
And then the other thing is you want to protect Vecula. So she's the only wizard. You got three spells. You have an objective for casting spells. Uh, she remains on one block when inspired. So she's definitely the easiest to kill, uh, especially after the inspire. Uh, and her spell attack action is is super accurate uh, once she is inspired. So, um, you know, you can ping opponents down. Um, anything else to add, Jason? Just, yeah, try to try to keep them together. Like that way it allows you to maximize the range two, the range three. Yeah. Um, and grab those feature tokens early. Because um, if you're lucky and and you do survive, like there's a chance that you score their infaction supremacy, which is hold three objectives in the end phase. Yeah. Um, Nurgle Gardens Grow, I think, is hold more in the imposing, more than the imposing warband. So there are some to get there, but you have to survive. So get in that gloom, hold those feature tokens, and yep. really, you know, have them come to you, like you said, like denial style, uh, and then hope that you can you can strike back. But it's yeah, it's definitely an uphill battle. Which for sure. That's why we would label this a bronze level warband for rivals. Yeah. Um, this is definitely one that I think can be fun, and when the mechanics work, and we've seen it, you know, in our rivals league, we've seen the mechanics work. Ah. Uh, just it was amazing the amount it's of the shields best. and crits um you know this warband you're lucky to score nine ten glory yeah. and that really needs to be your objective um as you're in there is keep my opponent to six seven glory um which means that you kind of have to have an understanding of what the other warbands want to do yeah. So I wouldn't recommend it for the, the newest of players until you kind of have an idea of what how you can play that denial game. Um, but they are fun when it when it stops the, the damage from going through. Oh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the best. So what if what if you're sitting across from him, Jason? Oh, I skipped that man. It's all right. Ooh. I wasn't uh, even going to say anything. We're just going to be a natural transition, <laughs> my friend. Uh, you know, got to call the flaws. Uh, but if I'm sitting across from them, I'm not giving them a target. Like I'm just gonna, I am gonna make them charge me as much yes. as I can. If they get on an objective, do not attack them, nope. um, because they're just setting you up for seeping rot. And then when all else fails, kill Fecula. Yep. Yeah. So that's who I'm going after. Yep. No, nope. I like that. That all makes sense to me. Cool, so that's the worm spat. Um, next up is Rothgorn's man trappers. So, Jason, you want to run us through the fires? Yeah, we go from famine to feast. Literally. <laughs> so, five fighter warband. Uh, there are three noblars, uh, which are either three or two wounds. Um, there is, you know, some cool abilities here with uh, Bushwhacker. He he can place a trap on the board. Um, which is a hex that turns into a hex that if someone is pushed into it or moves through it, it does two damage. So kind of a cool mechanic. I don't know how much it'll come up, but uh, definitely cool when it does. Um, Quiv is another Noblar that is just there, but he, his added ability, if he's next to Rothcorn, he can give him a reroll on his uh, ranged attack, which is really cool. The other one is is there. Like he He's a soft one, so he has three wounds, so... You know, he's he's there. Um, then there is a um, Sabertooth Tiger, Thrafnir. Yeah, he's cool. 
he is cool. And the, the cool thing about him is, you know, he's a supporting character with five move out the gate, yeah. three, three dice on Fury hitting for two damage. So a great missile to get into those back lines and get those squishy fighters. Yep. Um, and then there's the man, the myth, the legend himself, the the man trapper, Rothgorn, who is just a, he's a real ogre of a time. Yeah. Yeah. Six wounds. <laughs> Six wounds. Six wounds. Six wounds. Out the jump. He has a range three attack. That's a little inaccurate. Like I said, you can mitigate that with the reroll off the Noblar on two fury, but two damage on a two, three range attack. Yeah. Um, He's four move, so his threat range is just whew, it's seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he brings this melee attack, which is range one. That's two smash, which is pretty accurate for three damage. Yeah. There's that like, critical. There's that that <laughs> crucial three damage attack that you're really hoping for when you when you're playing a rivals war band and you have it on a fighter that has six wounds. So has six wounds. Good luck. Um. And then, he, then the Inspire is kind of off of that. Like, he, he the Warband inspires when when uh, you take a fighter out of action that's adjacent to you. Oh, yeah, and by the way, that range attack has the ability to pull someone closer to you. So yeah. he he has a lot of tools just on his card to be successful in the Rivals format. Yeah. Uh, when he begin, becomes inspired, you know, he becomes extremely accurate. Range is three Fury. Um, the melee one up close one, the, the hunting knife is three smash, yeah. like, oh my goodness. And now with his launcher, he can pull you two hexes closer. Um, you know, and the rest of the, the war band gets well, more move. And, and he also goes to two block. Oh yes. Sorry. Yes. Two block. I mean, uh, just, that's like the cherry on the Sunday. <laughs> I know it's an important cherry though. It is the cherry. Yeah. That's the two block is really what's important for him. Cause as we'll get into the other cards, he, he probably doesn't need to block, but nope. he's got nope. it. Yeah, and Thrafnir gains Cleave on Inspire yeah. and a, and a re- built-in reroll. And a built-in reroll. Um, you know, the other the Noblars get two of them get two dodge. The other one just stays what he is. They get plus uh, plus one move, but really doesn't matter. No. Then then. Wait, there's more. So we have a really good fighter. We have a supporting cast member. We have some other guys that do some stuff. But how about those objective cards, Jared? Yeah, so you literally coming from Famine into Feast. So Wormspat has three surges. Most Rivals War Bands in Beastgrave have four surges, five, five surges. Five surges. Rothcorn gets eight. <laughs> so you want to talk about the ability to cycle through your deck and score glory in the action phase Rothgorn is Rothgorn is is the one and and so probably the best one mostly because of the mechanics in Harrow Deep is Arm of the Everwinter uh, so this is a surge objective you score it immediately if a feature token is removed from the battlefield or is flipped by your warband Ooh. so all you have to do is Put a Noblar on a feature token in the back of the battlefield somewhere and flip it over and you get one glory. Delve it. And yeah, delve the, it. Yeah. The key the key here is that it doesn't even need to be the objective feature token. It literally yeah. just it could be it could be the gloom feature token. You could be the gloom feature like, token, flip it like to gloom. Yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Good times. Um 
you know, so that so that one's going to score really easy to kind of get that that glory train going. Another one that should be fairly easy for you to score is unexpected cutting. Score this immediately after playing the third or subsequent power card in the same phase. So that could be a gambit or an upgrade in the entire action phase. Yep, it's pretty good. Um, and then I think the other one that we wanted to call out was Hunter's Feast. Uh, and so this is actually it's 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 fairly doable, which is shocking for a. a Two glory surge objective. Score this immediately when your leader's attack action takes an enemy fighter out of action, and your leader made one or more attack actions that took an enemy fighter out of action earlier in this phase. Um, so it's probably not going to happen early game, but it's a nice two glory bump uh, that ultimately nets you four glory because you've killed two fighters. Um, you know, shoot somebody with the trap launcher, and then run up and smack somebody with your hunting knife. Bada bing, bada boom. You're done. Whole lot of glory. A lot of glory. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know, moving into the gambits, um, just in case you need to have a little boost to your attack actions, Rothgorn has a restricted just to him, so the, you know, this gambit is only used on him, but it is uh, Ravenous Fury. Play this after your leader's failed range one attack action. Either makes uh, an attack action. So if you do have to charge in or we're really looking for that Inspire and that two smash attack doesn't go off, you can do it again. Yep. Nice. <laughs> um, and then if you're looking to add to his mobility, there's Driven Onwards, and this lets you remove a move token uh, from a fighter that has one or more move tokens. And it's remove those tokens. So you actually get to remove all move tokens uh, that are on the fighter. Um, so you could, you know, maybe start Hrothgorn in the back of the field and then you move him up and then you remove his move tokens after everybody does their positioning and you can move again and just turret the middle of the battlefield or make a charge or whatever it is that you need to do. Yeah. The, the card to cut requires a little more setup, but the fact that you're going to be focusing more on Rothgorn, you can really leverage the fact that you can reposition him and then yeah. still have the ability to charge or move. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And then I guess we'll throw one card to the Noblars. It's a really good card, though. <laughs> it's Noblar Scramble. Push each friendly Noblar up to two hexes. It really helps with positioning of Quiv. It helps with Arm of the Everwinter. Maybe Bushwhacker gets in position to, to put down the trap. Uh, or maybe you're just pushing your Noblars back even That's further right. so right. the enemy can't get them. So they can huddle in the corner somewhere. <laughs> Rothgorn goes to town. Oh, good times, good times. Uh, upgrades. Spoiled for choice here. Uh, yeah, just let me let me just All click on one. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we'll go through the the most oppressive ones that he have has massive bulk, uh, plus two wounds. That once again has to go on Rothgorn. But here is a minus two move, um, plus two wound card. And yeah, the minus two move is, is bad. Takes him down to two move. Um, but you're up to eight wounds. And remember, you still have a threat range of five with that card yeah. on him because of the trap launcher. Yep. Uh, Famed Hunter is another good one. It's a reroll. Reroll one attack dice in this fighter's attack actions. So that's his range one and his range three attack actions. Pretty good. Seems, seems good. Yep. Last but not least, Tough and Hide is yet another way to keep him alive. 
which is minus one damage to attacks that are coming into him. Um, so if you hit him for three, you're only doing two. Uh, just again, you know, he, he is important to the Warband, but in this Rivals deck alone, he has plus two wounds, so eight minus one damage, which means that most of, most people are going to have to hit him four times. Yeah. And then there is a, a gambit that we didn't talk about that allows him to heal. Um, so if he kills somebody, he can heal one or heal two. Um, there, you're really going to have some longevity out of the man trapper. Yep. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, thoughts on boards, Jason? Uh, anything that I can hide my knoblars in back. Yep. So I want like three that are really towards the back of the board. Um, and then puts, you know, that single fighter up front. Uh, and I'm probably going to stay away from lethals, although I could definitely use it, um, you know, to kill things by pushing them and pulling them. Uh, I think in the rivals format, it's just better to really leverage into my six wounds and not give my opponent any kind of opportunity to take a pip of damage off of me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But how, how are we going to get around him? So if I sit down at the table and you're that person that's playing Man Trapper, how, what should I do? Uh, kill the Knoblars. It, but you put them in the back, so what do yeah. I do? <laughs> so if you can't kill the Knoblars, um, you you basically just focus, try to focus, try to, if you can score things passively um, that, that are going to prevent him from engaging you or, or make him commit early, um, you know, you can go that route. The other option is, you know, is you just hit him as hard as you can, as early as you can. Probably want to send a resilient fighter first, um, so that he can't inspire because he's sitting next to you uh, and and taking you out with that delicious two smash three damage attack. Um, but yeah, it it'll be there's not a lot that you can do to stop him scoring his passive stuff. Um, so yeah. you're gonna have to mitigate how much damage he does to your warband uh, on that end. So. Um, Drive them back, it, right? So if you hit them, drive them back. Yeah, absolutely. Make them roll the make them roll the the trap launcher, get you closer. Don't give them the free hunting knife attack. Right. Um, and the other the other tactic that works in championship, and it would be a little bit harder in rivals, is divide and conquer. So if you pick engagement, which means they play the Rothgorn player places the first board, get a board where you can deploy left and right. Don't deploy in the middle. Make yeah. him commit to the left side or the right side. You kind of go tanky with the side that he commits to and get those other fighters back into Thrafnir and the Noblars. Like, yeah. you don't give them your whole warband to beat up on. No, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's his play style? Uh, aggro all day or day with a lot of easy scores. <laughs> yeah, and Noblars in the back. Yeah, Noblars in the back. So what are, what are we going to rate him, Jason? Uh, he is, I mean, I don't, what is a, what is a form of metal? Like Platinum. raw iron? No, raw iron. I think he's uh, raw. Raw, raw, raw iron. Coal, just coal. Not even, <laughs> yeah. there's no metal components in there. Just pure carbon. No, he's, he's definitely gold. Um, yeah. I think what he can really serve as a uh, rivals player, um, kind of learning the full game is, 
this is a warband that like you have all the tools to learn activations and how to maximize those activations with a single fighter, which is it is a skill. So like yeah, it's a he's it's a really good warband. But I will tell you, I struggle with these type of warbands. Like I'm not very good at managing my card pool and that single fighter. So there is a lot to be learned here. But I also, Jared, if I'm being honest, it's probably one of the few warbands in Rivals that, as an experienced player, I, I think it could be a little oppressive yeah, because he I has agree. so many wounds. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree. Cool. Well, that's the worm spat and and frothgorn's man trappers. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll come back. Uh, we'll we'll go over Morgwaith's blade coven and Morgok's crushes. Probably mine and Jason's favorite warbands from Beast Grave. I do love me some Blake Coven. All right, and we're back, and we are going to cover the final two warbands of the Beast Grave season. Uh, as I mentioned before, these are arguably mine and Jason's respective favorite warbands from Beast Grave. Uh, and so we'll kick things off with Jason's favorite, Morgwaith's Blade Coven. Jason, tell us about these fighters most definitely um i do love me the blade coven play them a lot in championships so anyway the fighters is a five fighter warband um and i you know each one kind of has a unique ability uh, but i want to start with their inspire because they do have a, just a generic inspire um that they in, all inspire if they're alive in the third round um which is is cool because you know if you get to the end of the game they're going to inspire uh but the current harrow deep um rules you do lose an activation on that inspire right because you have to to wait for the inspire step uh but the other thing i do want to point out is they have an additional way to inspire so if you take an enemy fighter out of action um morgwaith has an ability on our card it's not really a reaction but it's so it's just an ability whenever an enemy fighter is taken out of action choose one uh, and choose one and choose oh my lord i can't read Holy cow. Literacy, it's tough, man. <laughs> uh, Taking out of action, choose and inspire one friendly fighter. Um, this is after any reactions to the action or gambits that took the, the, the enemy fighter out of action uh, and any reactions to the enemy fighter being taken out of action. So it happens right after that uh, reaction step, um, but you'll still get the inspire step. So it's kind of a way around where you can get somebody fully inspired um, early in the game. Uh, very cool mechanic, uh, and you're probably going to inspire Morgwaith herself right away. At least you know the she makes a good case for it because she is a very accurate fighter. She has two dodge, she's four wounds, but when she's inspired, she goes to three damage and has cleave and has five move. So that's a total threat range of seven. Uh, if she becomes inspired and she can really do some heavy lifting uh, for the warband. Uh, you know, after that, the, the second fighter that I think I would inspire um, would be Kyrie, the, the snake lady. Um, she has a great bow attack, range four, and she starts at move five on two dodge. A little soft at three wounds, um, but with that nine, nine range threat, uh, definitely can get some work done. And the reason you want her inspired is because she has a secondary attack, which is her sacrificial knife. Um that goes to three fury on two damage or four, two damage when she's inspired. Yeah. So like her being inspired, but you could also make a case for my favorite 
fighter in the war pan, and that's Camus or the Whip Lady. Um, she is a really cool, unique fighter. Uh, range four, only two wounds, um, which is real, real squishy. But her attack is a the the whip is three fury, two damage. But it has combo, and we haven't seen combo in the rivals format. And I don't think to the date this is the I think to date this is the only warband that uses combo uh, if you're playing a rivals deck. Um, but she, so you do that, you go and you hit for for two on a pretty accurate attack, and then with that combo, she can remake a reaction with her bladed buckler that could do an additional damage uh, on a on a smash. If she's inspired, that bladed buckler goes to two damage. So if she was inspired and you hit both attacks, that's four damage, um, you know, basically through one activation, which is phenomenal. She also goes to two dodge. So if you get her on a gloom hex, she's pretty survivable uh, from a defense standpoint. Yep. The last two fighters, you have Kursa and Lathir. They're very much the similar fighters. They're they're kind of the, the least active um, of them. Kirsa does have uh, built-in Grievous, so plus one damage um, on a crit. Um, and then Lathira, once she's inspired, she can do double damage, so that if you roll two successes in your attack action, for the damage uh, that the attack is done with is done twice. So kind of cool, but you know she's probably the dangle bro of the bunch. Um the other thing, I think I did note that, you know, three two-win fighters, which make them very, very squishy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very true. Oh, cool. Uh, favorite objectives? Objectives we're looking out for. Um, so probably Swift Sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, score this immediately when a friendly leader or Kira makes a range one or two attack action that takes an enemy fighter out of action. So this is nice. You could send in Chris or Lathir to do one damage to a three-wound fighter and then follow up with more grief to get those last two wounds off um you know still keeping more growth relatively safe so that one's a good one yeah and then uh torturous death is another surge um oh keynote five surge objectives in this deck so we're back to the standard um yep. but torturous death so this immediately if your warman makes a third or subsequent attack action that targets the same enemy fighter in this phase um you know, it is the same enemy fighter, uh, but you have that wonderful bow attack that's range four, so we might be able to plank away one or two. Uh, and then Camus could just give you two attacks just with her one activation with the with the whip. Um, you know, you you're running in on on a Fecula, bam, yep. and they don't have to be successful; they just have to be attack actions. So, yep. um, key point there. Doesn't have to be successful. No, ah, no, that's a good point. Uh, and then uh, what do we have? The devoted disciple. Yeah, a little cheeky fun here. Yeah, yeah. So score this in an end phase if one or more surviving friendly fighters have one or more wound tokens. So just grab a board with a lethal hex and run Lathir through it and then back to the back of the board. One glory. One glory. Keep her safe. Get <clears throat> no. that one glory. Um, does limit you on board selection, but hey, it, when you're <laughs> playing when you're playing with an objective deck that probably isn't going to go off all that well, yep. we'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, gambits. Uh, I'm not going to make you say this one. Catechism of murder. 
Why not? <laughs> yeah, literacy is hard, Jason. Uh, it is. So uh, this is a gambit ploy. Choose one friendly fighter. That fighter is inspired. It is restricted to Morgwaith. So if Morgwaith is dead, you cannot do this. Uh, but you basically get to inspire. You get to bypass the inspire condition slash third round restriction for the inspire, which can be really nice. Jason, who do you inspire first? Uh, either Morgwaith or Whip Lady. Okay, yeah. So for the accurate whip and combo or Morgwaith because she gives three damage. That makes sense. Yeah, and if it's like, let's say it's second round, I'm probably going to go Kyrie because I've probably done damage to someone in Perfect Kill. I'm not sorry, not Perfect Kill. Um, Swift Sacrifice. If yeah. I haven't scored that yet, now Kyrie can can score that for me. Sure. Um, but out the jump, Morgwaith one. Um, and then Whip Lady 2. Gotcha. All right, other gambits. Um, Fanatical Faith allows you, so, you know, we said that with the, the three two-wound fighters, the warband's really squishy. It's a glass hammer. So Fanatical Faith allows you to be aggressive and kind of protect the fighter, especially on that last activation of the round. Um, you're able to charge in if your opponent has, you know, an activation to kind of counter with. This is the first time a friendly fighter would be dealt damage, but dealt any amount of damage in the next activation, that fighter is dealt one damage instead, so it can really help keep somebody come, yep. somebody alive. Yeah, and it's nice because you can play it like after you watch your, what your opponent's setting up. So let's say they're tooling somebody up to do four damage to Morgwaith. Be like, actually, she's just going to take one. Thanks. <laughs> so it's good. It's good. I like it. Uh, Zealot's Rage. So let's rage. This is a reaction. Play this after a friendly fighter's attack action that fails. That fighter makes an attack action. So why is that wording important, Jason? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's because you can then attack again with the whip from Camus. So yep. perfect scenario is you run in, you hit with the whip, you do two damage. You go bladed buckler and it fails. You play the zealot's rage. You go back to the whip with three for two and then if needed you make another buckler attack so could really stack some damage really quickly i think if she's inspired i think you just killed rothcorn yes that's that's six damage (laughs) yeah and the 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 nice thing is is that the the buckler the buckled blade or bladed buckler bladed buckler does not have to be a to the same target so you can really start you know stacking yeah, I like it. All right, what's the honorable mention here, Jason? Yeah, my my honorable mention because everyone should know that my favorite part of the game is rolling crits, and it's a uh, carver ruin reaction plays during a friendly fighter's range one or two attack action that succeeds before dealing damage. If there was a crit in the attack roll, gain one spent glory. That's right. Don't even have to kill him. Just yeah, just give me just give me. Does some, have to uh, be successful. <laughs> Does have to be successful, yes. Yeah. All right, upgrades. Um, this is the this is the the, the tough the the tough one. So yeah. I, I think you know probably the best of the bunch is Rune Rune of Slaughter, also one of my favorite because it is plus one damage uh, in range one or two attack actions for each crit in the attack roll. So nice. Yeah, but it still crits, and you know. Yeah. Although I'll roll five crits and 
I'll roll five crits on four dice. Most people don't do that. No. Um, so it is, it is your like special talent. <laughs> a good one to have. Um, no. So, and then I think another good upgrade is death dancer. So this is, uh, like the one that we saw in the Worms bat reaction after this fighter's attack action, not during a super action, push this fighter one hex. Uh, it's really good for Morgwaith or for Kire, uh, or even Camus, really. Um, you know, you've got ranged attacks. You don't have to be adjacent to somebody. So you can make your attack action and then push to get into a different position, better position, uh, whatever the case is. Just can't do it after a charge. Yeah, and then the last one I'd go with is uh, High Oracle Butcher, uh, which is on Kire, where she gets an additional glory point for taking an adjacent enemy fighter out of action. Um, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it is cool that there is a card that gives you extra yeah. glory. No, no, and it's good. It, it, I mean, it would be it'd be useful to have uh, boards. You got with boards, you have to leverage into um, their movement. So I'm going to pick something that I can deploy, you know, mid board to backboard. Um, we had talked about the lethal hex. If that's a strategy that you want to to employ, you're going to have to make sure that you pick one of those. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to choose the engagements, so I'm going to pick a pick a board that you know I can reach out and touch the opponent with my movement, but they can't get into my two wound fighters. Yeah, that makes sense. Or uh, more ways. Yeah. Um. So play style. We're thinking. What do we say? Thoughtful aggro. Yes, that is what we use. Thoughtful aggro. This is not a warband. They are a glass cannon. So whatever you send in has to do its job because it's probably going to die. Yep. Um, and if you get really aggressive with Morgwaith and you lose her early, um, it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. You won't be able to inspire until third round. Yeah. So, you know, when we sit down and play, Jared, what do you... What are you doing to counter me with when, when I have Blade Coven? Yeah, so you just mentioned this. If you can kill Mar- Morgwaith early, that's a big deal because it prevents the Inspire, either from the Gambit or for them taking somebody out of action, uh, which is a big deal. Uh, the other option is that you just farm glory from the three two-wound fighters that are on one dodge when they're not inspired. Um, they have to be aggro, so you can really just kind of let them come to you um, and then you know just focus down whatever they send into charge. Um, give them... Give them terrible options for attacks. You know, put your you know, your four wound fighter out in front um, to tank. You know, an attack or two, and then away and let your other fighters do their business. And that's when Camus says, "No, not today." And not today. I'm just going to sh- all crits, and you're dead. Yep. <laughs> On her bow. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So- I know, I know you say this with trepidation, but what do we rate them? I was hoping that you were going to answer this, uh, okay, this question. I'll, I'll answer. And it makes me sad, too, but I, I think we have to call them a bronze. Yeah. Um, they're a ton of fun to play. The, the fighters are not bad. They really need to be inspired to be really good. Um, having three two-wound fighters in a five-fighter warband hurts. Um, and their deck really... Both their objective deck and their power deck is just, it's not, it's below average. Um, and it hurts. It just means it doesn't, they don't play the way that you want them to. Um, so it's, a, they're a ton of fun to play though. Like just running around, you're super fast, you have really accurate attacks, you're just not doing a lot of damage. 
um, that can make things difficult. And their deck just it's not balanced. It doesn't you're either needing to be on objectives or you need to be killing things um, or some mystically doing both. So killing Mystic. things while on an objective, <laughs> uh, which is even harder in Harrowdy because yeah, what put a fighter on it, delve it, and then get that fighter off of it so another fighter can charge on it and do an attack or whatever. No. Um, I mean, they're they're good. They're a good bronze, but I think they're still a bronze. I mean, there is, and I just read this. I didn't even know this card. Like, you know, just goes to show how much the game has changed. But proof proof of devotion, like it's a third envy scorer. But if I hold all the enemy, or if I've killed everyone, I get it, which is highly unlikely. But if my warband holds all objectives in enemy territory, it's worth three glory. So maybe everything is still gloom hex and i come in and you know with the last second yeah flip one and score three but to your point the objectives work against each other yeah so yeah they have one where a fight one fighter only one friendly fighter can hold an objective and then they have another one where three friendly fighters need to hold objectives (laughs) those are both cards in their deck it's literally lined up against each other all right so we covered jason's favorite now it's my turn my favorite Beast Grey Boar Band, Morgox Crushes. So this is the third, fourth Elite War Band in Beast Grey. So we had the Condemners, we had Rippas, we had Worms Bat, and now we've got Morgox Crushes. Uh, fun fact, uh, these are Auric Brutes. They have five wounds each, uh, and two of the fighters start with three damage. Uh, Morgok is two smash with three damage. Uh, Art Skull is two fury with three damage, so not very accurate. Uh, and then you've got um, the the young thug uh, who's on three fury with two damage. Um, so good fighters. Uh, they're three moves, so they're a little bit on the slow side, and they're one block. Um, they have a unique mechanic called wog counter. So you place a wog counter anytime uh, you do an attack action, or you play a gambit, or or meet some con- other condition that can happen from upgrades uh, to place wog counters, and you inspire. With when you have two wall counters, yes, Jason. Yeah, question. Uh, yeah, just you know, raise my hand, ask the question. But I do, I want to point this out because you know, the, this episode is meant for the new arrivals players, and it was brought up in our Discord where a newer player to the game didn't have a counter for yep. something that was oh, in yeah. the game, and they thought they couldn't play with that. Like, I think it was it was hunger, yeah. um, and, and then primacy and primacy token. Um, so just like I guess because it hasn't come up with an actual where it's referring to a counter, yeah, like this true. is this is just a it's just a token. Um, yeah. Like you could use anything. You use pennies to to you, yeah. to represent the wall counters, right? I mean, um, you're if you're you're listening to this podcast and you're playing Warhammer Underworlds, it's likely that you're either an RPG player or a Magic player or a Warhammer tabletop battle game player of some kind. You're going to have some kind of dice, whether that's a D20 to count your health and magic. You've got D6s if you play Games Workshop games. You've got all manner of dice if you're an RPG player. So just pop a dice on there. You know, a one is one counter, a two is you have two counters. Um, You know, that way you're not putting your hands all over that grubby money that coins that nobody has. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, come up. I mean, tear up a piece of paper to make counters if you have to. I mean, easy peasy. Everybody's got a receipt sitting in their wallet right now. Just yeah. tear tear pieces of paper off that to make your counters. Don't let not not owning branded counters prevent you from from playing uh, what you want to play. Yeah, good point, Jason. 
Um, yeah, so the Inspire condition, they have two wad counters. Uh, Morgot goes from two smash to three fury, but he gets a reroll. Uh, Art Skull goes from two fury to three fury, but he also gets a two fury, two damage scything attack. And then uh, Thug remains three fury, uh, two damage. But what's fun is that Art Skull and Thug can now spend their wad counters to do fun things. Uh, Art Skull gets to add a pip of damage for every wad counter he discards. Uh, and Thug gets to add a, a one dice to his attack actions for every wild counter he discards. So um, either do more damage or get more accurate, depending on what you need. Uh, the other thing that is of note um, is that Morgok has an on on fighter card action. You remove one counter, one wild counter from this card, and then push each friendly fighter up to two hexes. That includes himself. So you spend one wild counter. And you get to push all three of your fighters two hexes uh, for one activation. Uh, and that's huge for positioning, uh, you know, getting things set up, moving your fighters uh, into the enemy to smash them because that's what they want to do. So objectives. Smash them. Smash them. Smash yeah. And it's funny because, you know, that is pretty aggressive warband. We'll talk about that soon. But Two of the two of the objectives that I called out are have nothing to do with attacking. Um, so now what is a um, uh, surge objective? It's one glory for holding two objectives uh, after an activation, and then got it boss is a surge objective. Uh, it's one glory for holding one objective in enemy territory. Um, so uh, nothing to do with attacking, nothing to do with anything else that these fighters are built to do, but it's some nice passive glory um, that isn't reliant on dice uh, that your opponent cannot necessarily do a lot to stop but yeah just the they are these two objectives are put in a little bit of check with harrow deep right because you got to move on to the feature token yeah and then wait till the next activation after you've delved it to yep. score it um so it might take you one or two activations like maybe you hide in the gloom to be a little more resilient uh and then flip it going into your turn or maybe yep. you just risk it for the biscuit and do it so a little bit slower, but still very obtainable surges. Yep. Um, and then I think the third objective would be the Propa Rumble. Uh, Score this in end phase. If four or more fighters are out of action or have wound tokens, uh, key thing here is four of any fighters, including yourself. Yep. yep. Yeah. And with five wounds, it's likely that you will probably get damaged uh, and not taken out in a single attack. Um, so this is, you know, something that you could score pretty easily and they're accurate. They do good damage. So, you know, you'll either be damaging or taking out your enemy fighters as well. So on to the gambits, the gambits, Jason's least favorite card in this deck. Come on, no, you're not saying it. Mm-hmm. So preserve fortitude. Uh, this, mm-hmm. this, this card came to bite Jason a couple times. It's a reaction, play this during an attack action that targets a friendly fighter before the deal damage step, so you know whether it's successful or not. Remove any number of wall counters from that fighter's card. The attack action has minus one damage for each counter removed. Um, so it's nice, it's a reaction, so it, you don't, it's not telegraphed, um, but you know, if especially if you're playing in the championship format, you have to look at the fighter that you're targeting and look at the number of wall counters that they have on their card and be like, okay, if they have this card, am I going to do enough damage to take this fighter out, or am I just going to hit this wall and bounce right off? Yeah, and that, the key the, the key point is it's not telegraphed. So uh, if even if you're not playing this Warband, it is definitely one of those cards that you have to be mindful of as you kind of set up your attacks that 
they can mitigate some damage, especially mid game when they have two or three counters on their fighters. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so the next card that we want to cover uh, combos right into that it's brutal reprisal. So reaction play this during an attack action that targets a friendly fighter and succeeds before the drive back step. The friendly fighter cannot be driven back and makes an attack action that must target the attacker. So not only did you not kill me after spending a bunch of resources, but I'm also going to get a free attack against you and you're not driving me back. So, yes. Uh, the key, the key with that, that just for the newer players too, is that attack does not generate a wog counter. Correct. It is not made in your activation. That is correct. Yes, you only earn wog counters for making attack actions during that fighter's activation. Yep. Um. We'd be remiss if we didn't highlight a push card. Yeah, I really forgot what one. So that we're we're, go, we're going with uh, cunning brutality. Eager advantage. Oh, well, oh. there's two, right? There's this tie. So yeah, go ahead and cover kind of brutality. So it's reaction play this after a friendly fighter's attack action pushed them up to three hexes. Yeah. yeah uh, as so, long as it's not part of a super action, it's pretty yeah. pretty big push. Yeah. And then uh, the other one that I really like is eager advance. Choose one friendly fighter and push them one hex, and then place one wog counter on the chosen fighter's fighter card. I really like this one on Morgok because you can push Morgok and then give him a wog counter in the power step, and then in the activation step. You can activate him, use his on-fighter action, remove that wall counter, and now push all your fighters to more hexes. It's a good times. A lot of free mobility. Yep, good times. Uh, yeah, and then for the upgrades, we'll start with Brute Charge. So this one takes the roles of uh, Smashes and Furies, are successes for range one attacks on the charge action. So it kind of gets around like your accuracy woes while you're uninspired and makes those charge attack actions very accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, and then we've got an Urge of Pain, so Jason's probably second <laughs> least favorite card in this deck. Um, we've seen this card before in another Warband. When this fighter is dealt damage, reduce that damage by one to a minimum of one, and that's a big deal when you've got five wound fighters. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, th- two attacks taking a fighter down, and now it takes three. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean... It's funny not to get sidetracked for for a ton, but you have Berserk Fortitude, which mitigates damage, Inert of Pain, which mitigates damage. They're high wound fighters, and we saw the same thing in Rothgorn. Like, yep. Yep. there's a theme. Yep, yep. Uh, and then the last one um, is uh, Vengeful Glare. So this is reaction after an attack action that targeted this fighter. Place one wild counter on this fighter's fighter card so it doesn't have to succeed, and it gives you a way to earn wild counters during your opponent's activation phase, which can be nice because then you can hit that Inspire step before your activation, maybe be inspired before you make your attack. Yeah, lots of fun. I like it. Um, so what what board am I picking? Uh, anyone that gives you three right in your opponent's face. Not yep. back. Not, no, not, back. not in the back. Nope. And then when, you know, also with board placement, objective or feature token placement, make sure you're placing one over the line and one in an area that you can get to in your area that will allow you then to get into the opponent's area, whether that's in round two uh, or yep. later in, in the first round. Yep. Um, just setting up those two surge objectives. Yep. Um, play style. Agro. Aggro, and then grab those objectives when it makes sense to do so. Um, you know, if you're if you kill all of your opponent's fighters, 
then they're yeah. probably not going to score their objectives anyway. So those that that two glory for now what and got it boss probably won't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And now because it is rivals format, I'm gonna, I'm going to play these guys. Yeah, you are. To try them out. How are you going to dismantle me? What are you going to do? Yeah. So uh, I think the 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 call out that you gave for the worm spat where you force you force you to charge, right? Like, so don't, don't force, don't feed you fighters. If I go in to, to attack you for some reason, make sure I'm driving you back so that you have to make a charge to get the attack off Uh single fighters out. Try not to spread that damage out uh, because every, a wounded crusher is just as lethal as a healthy crusher. It would be better to remove a fighter. Um, and then really, if you have anything passive, try to score that. Um, you know, if you're a Grim Watch or you're just spoilers where you can get on three objectives um, or you can play gambits or, or whatever the case is um, to get that glory, to get your upgrades on and make yourself more accurate or do more damage. Um, try to do that without engaging them as much as possible. Yeah. The, the easiest fighter I found to take down is actually Ard Skull because he, he's probably going to miss his attack yeah. and then he's charged. Yep. And I don't have to worry about them until the next activation. So, yeah. Yep. Um, and then, then unlike the last Warband, what would you rate this Warband for uh, new player and rivals? Yeah. So, I mean, they're gold. Um, and, and it's, I mean, so I think there's an asterisk there, and I'll let you bring that up. But um, the, the fighters are, are really good fighters. They've got good stat blocks. They're easy. It's an easy Warband to pilot. Most of your objectives are built around things that the fighters are built to do. Uh, we called out really the two that are not uh, in Now What and Got It Boss, but you can mitigate that by placing your feature tokens in ways that make sense where you're going to be able to be on an objective and charge, uh, you know, as that goes. But um, And because uh, I think we've mentioned this before with other elite warbands, but because they're a three-fighter warband, you get the opportunity to participate in the card draw aspect of the action phase, whether that's drawing a gambit or uh, ditching an objective to draw a new objective, um, because you you can kind of sit and wait. So, yeah, picking but, picking your battles. But my real question is like three five wound fighters in rivals are the oppressive. I mean, yes, they they. I mean, I think that they they are oppressive. I don't know that they're as oppressive as Rothgorn. Um, mostly because you can make it so that you have to deal with Rothcorn, um, and and or um, to try to get to the soft targets, you can put the the Noblars in the back. And now, if you're going to try to get to those soft targets, well, now you have to deal with Rafnir and and Rothcorn. Uh, I think what's nice about this warband is that uh, basically all three fighters are going to want to be in your face, so you're gonna you're gonna be spoiled for choice when it comes to targets. Um, so, I mean, hopefully you can bait your opponent or kind of maneuver yourself so that you're getting to maximize your attacks on one particular fighter and take them down. Um, yep. I, I completely agree with that statement. I think they're a really good rivals format Warband, Um, they have the tools to be oppressive because of the wounds but I, I don't think they're, they're as bad as a Rothgorn. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, that's it. Wow, we covered all of Beastgrave. Cool. All, all Beastgrave. Why don't we take yeah. a break and come out and close out? 
Yeah, that sounds good. And we're back. And uh, that actually closes us out for the show. Um, so uh, I guess we'll do the needful and say thanks for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to and you think it's worth sharing, you know, be for sure to give us the, uh, you know, the likes or the subscribes on whatever platform. Uh, if you want to share us, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're in basically every podcast player available. Um, find us on Facebook. We have a Discord. Uh, we try to be active talking that. If you're local to the Raleigh area, you know, join our Discord, meet us. We'd love to play, hang out, chat. Um, but this has been a lot of fun to do, and we hope that this is a document um, that that is going to be valuable, uh, kind of, uh, you know, throughout the life of Warhammer Underworlds as rivals. The rivals format kind of comes into the fore as the 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 best way to get new players into the game. So, Jason, you want to add anything? Yeah, just, you know, I don't often ask for feedback, but this has been fun for us. And we know for the veteran players, there's probably a lot of rehashed content, um, and, you know, in the past, uh, whatever this episode is, hour, two hours. Um, but I would really like the feedback. Like, do we, does the community find this helpful? Like, if, are you a new player just getting into the game? Um, you know, what did you think? Please let us know because we plan on doing a whole nother season and then, you know, getting caught up to the, the current stuff. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Like, I've really enjoyed Rivals. Um, you know, shout out to to our little Rivals League that we got going on. Um, really enjoying the game in this type of format. And it, although it, it does um, lend itself to the newer player, there is enough there that it has me interested. So, uh, really happy to record this stuff. So please just let us know what you think. Yep. And I think other, other uh, you know, other personalities in, in the Underworlds game have said this, but uh, a Rivals game is better than no game. Yes. 100%. A million times, infinitely better than no game. Um, so if if the Triangle community decides that Rivals is the way that we'll go, then, then we'll do that. And then Jason and I can grab a championship match, you know, on a weekly or semi-weekly basis. Uh We'll feed that itch that way. <laughs> um, yeah, so cool. So thanks for listening. Uh, this has been uh, your Beast Grave Arrivals Warband review uh, for the Battle Mallet podcast. Uh, we are two dads. Tag just got through the holidays. <laughs> yeah, two, yeah two, <laughs> two dads who are recovering from the holidays. Uh, yeah, so this is Jared signing out. And I'm Jason Table New Murray. Thanks for listening. Get the hell out of here. Peace. protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. You ready just to go? Yeah, let's go, go through it. All right. Yeah. <laughs>
Right, you're, like, and... I got, you're, you're like six minutes to pumpkin time. That's right. <laughs>